Tell me what you know of James Bond. He's a double O, and a wild one, as I discovered today. He'll light the fuse on any explosive situation and be a danger to himself and others. Kill first, ask questions later. I think he's a blunt instrument whose primary method is to provoke and confront. A man nobody can get close to. A womanizer. Well, you're going to be seeing a lot more of him in Iceland. With great respect, a man like him could blow my cover. Miss Frost, you volunteered for this operation, but in three months you've turned up next to nothing. Grave seems to be clean. Well, Bond thinks differently, so I'm going to let him do what you so ably described. Mix things up a little with Mr. Graves. Do you expect me to talk? Episode 29 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Rebecca Andrews, and joining me, as always, are the amazing Chris and Dave. Say hi. Good evening, folks. Are we really amazing? That's just quite a bold thing to say. You are. Oh, anyway, thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> it's face palm alert, as this week we discusses Pierce Brosnan's Bon Swan song, Die Another Day. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to do lots of comedian <laughs> sighing here. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, in case you're wondering, the movie stars Pierce Brosnan, Halle Berry, Rosamund Pike, and whole bunch of other people. Are we going to get a Becca rant? <laughs> I'm going to get a rant. I've been, wait- I've been waiting for a Becca rant. <laughs> oh, I'm at, yeah. If she starts being nice about it now, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> well, I watched it again. I've had a bit of a rethink, and I don't want to be unkind, you know. No, it's, it's a good laugh, so. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, seeing as everyone's so often in this film, I'm just going to skip, you know, the cast and who directs it and all the rest of it and just go straight into it. It's full of people who should have known better, folks. Yeah, this is it, pretty much. Um, it is kind of what the fuck, a lot of it. <laughs> it's um, a great cast, but they don't gel together. It's just like, oh. Um, but yeah, basically for me, um, Brosnan's Bond movies are on a bit of a sliding scale, so you've got like GoldenEye at number one, None of the Day number four, surprisingly enough. Um, no, it's a cheesy script, um, awful acting, uh, bad CGI. I mean, overall, the plot's like incomprehensible, but it's it's fun to watch. There's lots of some really good stunts, really good action set pieces, but... Yeah, this is, for me, it was like one of the worst films of 2002. <laughs> pretty bad. It's, but yeah, that's it's, it's... pretty, I mean, it must do a lot wrong. We've just had like, yeah, it's some. It's pretty fun watch, some action sequence, worst film worst of film that ever. year. <laughs> <laughs> no, worst Bond film of 2002, obviously that was anyone that year. It has to be phenomenally flawed for you to enjoy it and still think it's a disaster. Well, it's, it's, one, it's, it's, it's really odd because there are some, I mean, the, the, the car chase, that's like the temple kind of scene. Um, and then obviously you got the fight between um, I've forgotten the name Miranda and, and Jinx at the end. And for me, that's like the best scene in the film. Well, Jinx has the best line in the movie, but it's just that's the only thing I find good about it. Just otherwise, it's just like oh, cringe, 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 cringe. Um, it's just like oh, I, I can't describe it. It's, it's fun. No, I did enjoy watching it, but it's just like it, it's funny. I'm kind of, I'm laughing at it rather than next to it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think as Bond fans, like, we have to embrace this film. I, yeah. I, I, I think anyway, it's, it's kind of, I think out of 
this and last week's The World's Not Enough are probably like uh, out of the Pierce Brosnan films are probably the ones I've watched the most. Oddly enough, <laughs> don't yeah. ask me how that <laughs> happened, but it, it did. Um, I look. I'm not going to be as down on this film as uh, as a me. Lot. Well, <laughs> no, no, but just in general, I mean, I think a lot of people consider Dying of a Day pretty much uh, a train wreck. Um, to yeah. put a, a better word, but I after watching. Like, um, I basically talk about Brosnan and particularly talk about that, uh, last week in terms of like a, a potential squandered. I think this film had a potential to be a pretty good Bond film. It, but it. All it would have needed was a different script, different director, different premise, <laughs> uh, <laughs> different uh, young, younger Bond, uh, <laughs> no Madonna, uh, Halle Berry oh. to be dropped. Apart from that, it, it was yeah. Close. I mean, it okay, so close. okay, okay, all right, okay, fair enough. Um, you know the 40th anniversary skip forward obviously 10 years and you've got um what do you have skyfall as the 50th anniversary and it's just literally from one end of the spectrum to the other like from the sublime to the ridiculous yeah and like, i know skyfall's a bit of a step up but i don't know that huge think, step up i think i i get more things i get more annoyed with skyfall and it's, it's not perfect by any means but so I, much better than this one and i i think well I mean, yes, it's the yeah, but you, this this is you putting your arms around a special needs child, isn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> you with this film is good job, little buddy. <laughs> Whereas Skyfall, as a proper filmmaker, proper cast, and you you judge special all. needs child. In terms, in terms of like the the issue with like the 40th anniversary and the 50th anniversary, at least dying of a day. Doesn't need doesn't have the desire to beat you around the head saying, "Look, it's the it's the anniversary of Bond, guys! Sure look, look right, how great Bond is!" It on just... the way through, because I actually think that's not true. Yeah, I, I th- think, it I think well. Die Another Day it is totally look, see, look, 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 look. See? Yeah, but it doesn't. I don't think it beats you around the head as much. I think it, it throws in little things in there, and particularly in the, in the queue scene, which is okay. Which we'll is fair enough. Get to it. Whereas Skyfall's more subtle. Yes, well, Skyfall's not subtle. It, it, you know, it, it literally just goes like, huh, you might as, you know, Daniel Craig might as well just turn to the camera and wink. You know, it's that, it's that blatant. It's like, oh God, please don't pander to us. I think that's what it is about me. I, I like, I'm a huge Bond fan, as, as you guys know. Guys, yeah. doing this podcast. We wouldn't be here. Oh, yes. <laughs> Twenty nine episodes into our Bond podcast, I like Bond. You know, spoiler alert: Chris is a Bond fan. <gasps> I don't need. Like to be pandered to in terms of like, oh, isn't Bond great? Yeah, I know he's great. Can I, can I have a fucking good film, please? You know, it's that kind of that's kind of thing. I, I much prefer to kind of have just little, like sort of just little nods that don't sort of drop in like, oh, like oh, we're gonna drive the Aston Martin and like I'm gonna make a joke about the ejector seat. You know, it's like, oh, please don't don't bother. Anyway, so um, but yeah, in terms of dying of the day, there are things. Particularly watching this. Uh, watching it tonight, uh, well, wasn't tonight, last night, um, there were things about it that I liked, and it just kind of, it, just down to, I don't know, it, I've always thought of this film as, like, Bond going through a midlife crisis, and it was odd that it, it really didn't need to, because last week it did, like, the series did really, really well, it's not like it was, it was like, people go, oh, that Bond's a bit older, isn't it? you know, it's, you know, Get a bit yeah, stale. If this had followed, I'd have almost understood more if this had followed License to Kill. Yeah. Because yeah, it would have been, well, that didn't do so well. It was dark and gritty. Let's embrace the fun and the batshit of this yeah. series. 
I know that's what's kind of odd about it. it. Just and it just felt like there's a need to kind of like let's keep, let's be cool, modern, and trendy. But it's like, well, do we really? I Not mean, really, like, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, the, the the things that I I think of real, I, I think the worst things about this film are, is kind of like the pointless slow motion kind of like shots where it kind I of, hate the direction of this film. It, I mean, I, I mean, I I find it hard to who to point fingers to because obviously when you make a film it's a collaborative thing I mean we could talk about how the script how how it's actually badly written now but the the truth is the same guys who wrote this wrote Casino Royale and they also wrote uh, last week's film and they wrote Quantum of Solace Skyfall uh, and had a hand with, with well they've written everything they've written everything since this yeah and plus that, so, that was so they represent the good so. and the bad so and and I, and I, mem- I remember that it was like oh, they were on the Empire podcast it was around the same time they were talking about Skyfall and they were talking about how uh, the idea of Bond using like a, a cutthroat razor and they actually talked about well, we had that idea for Dying of a Day but oh. for whatever reason uh, I forgot, no I, forgot. I, I, I heard that all of the sort of goofy humour, silliness, gadgets, everything was... I mean, it's a bit like Orsi and Kurtzman, who write, um, who wrote the Transformers films, the two latest Star Trek films, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think they're hacks, and I think half the stuff they write is really dumb and all the rest of it. And I was sat one... I've wondered for years why they are where they are. And reading between the lines and reading things different journalists, actors, directors and everything else have said, a lot of the reason they're where they are is they're very compliant. And I don't mean studio orders. I just mean that they they fit in with what the director and the studio suggest to them. So if the studio says, we want a film of this kind of tone, that's what they deliver. And I do wonder if Purvis and Wade were the same. It's not like they've gone and written all the President's Men before they've got the call Mm. to be on the Bond films. They weren't superstars and they weren't people with with a gigantic reputation. They are sort of staff writers for Bond. And they follow the tone they're, they're, they're asked to write. I think I lay almost all of the flaws of this film at the feet of the director. Put the blame, all the blame on Tamahori. I think you have to look at the, his body work after this film to kind of go, yeah, maybe. I mean, he had. Mm. I mean, I haven't seen the Once We Warriors. Is that that's what it's called? No, I heard that was pretty good, and I haven't yeah. seen it either. But like, he did Triple X Two. Oh, Jesus. You know, it's a little bit, you're looking at Roland Emmerich and you think, well, once would be fine, but, you know, he keeps repeating the same old shit. Mm. And I, I do think, I, I look at this film and it's very plasticky, it's very false looking. The script isn't very good, but we've seen plenty of poor Bond scripts through the series that have, like, turned out better films than this. It's unfortunately cast, there's some stunt casting in it again. And it's got these stupid whip pans and slow motion bits and just shit. And that's that's the director. And if you took really pointless for no purpose at all, it's not any kind of signature. It's just, aren't we cool? And I think, well, if you take the basic idea and the director doesn't normally come on at the point where there's a finished script. So if you think, well, a director comes on board and you've got this basic idea that we're going to have Bond captured and betrayed and, Everything that goes with that, and we're going to have a North Korea, South Korea thing, which is often topical. There is scope there to, to make an excellent film. And this film isn't bad, bad. 
for the first half an hour. Well, there are lots in that first half an hour I don't like, and it needs a better director. But with a surer hand at the t- uh, you know on the tiller and a, and a, a slightly better visual style, we could you could pause this after twenty five minutes and say this is really good. Well, I can't with this. I can't with this director. But there was nothing that wrong with it, and I just I do put it all at his feet. I think you know the poor CG. He was the big advocate of all of that. Obviously, there's blame to go around because the producers hired him. They signed off on this vision. I don't imagine Bond directors get final cut. I'm not saying it's all him, but the fact is, having hired this guy, he's delivered Die Another Day. I don't necessarily think it's the, I don't think it's the least enjoyable film in the series, and I'm going to have to balance that when I rank these because I uh, Octopus is a better film, but I probably enjoyed it less. Diamonds Are Forever is probably not as bad a film on paper, but is miserable. This is camp and really over the top. But I was trying earlier to think, well, what other franchise film is it like? And the first one I went to in my mind, Batman and Robin. But the problem with saying Batman and Robin is, Batman and Robin sets itself up to be camp and silly in a kid's film. This film starts with torture. and then you, So then I thought, well, look, perhaps it's a bit more like the quest for peace, Superman 4. Because I thought, well, with Superman 4... There was a serious message you've to got, it, it, it. There's a serious idea behind it, and it just gets compromised. But then, with that, it has some awkward, it has a, it, it's been butchered in the edit, and it's had its budget cut, whereas this had a really lavish budget. There's not quite anything out there that's like this film. And I think, objectively, it's probably the worst film in the series, because every decision made is wrong almost everything through this film you go well that would have been better if that would have been better if i wish they hadn't done that that's very poor but if i lined up all the films in the order i wanted to watch them this would not go last wasn't lee tamahori like really keen behind the idea of revealing that uh that the james bond double o is actually like a code like thing so he wanted he wanted a, uh, a cameo where Brosnan met Sean Connery, but Sean Connery was a retired James Bond. Mm. And it would feel like, oh, it's that James Bond's his codename, so they're all basically different I'm people. so glad they stopped that, because they could have just gone with it. They could have said, well, you know, and you've had some success, we'll go with it. And not only would... At the moment, Diana Another Day sits in the middle, well, at the end, of a Brosnan era that isn't the most distinguished. But the film before it functions as a film... The film after it is terrific. So it's one of these car wreck mistakes that I'm sort of semi-glad is there. Mm. But had it had it influenced the series that each of the Bonds we've seen had been a different Bond, which makes no sense at all. Uh, or why is, um, why is Roger Moore stood at the grave of George Lazenby's wife? I know, but that's, that's, that's the idea, people. When people go, oh, yeah, that's a nice idea. No, it's not, because it doesn't make sense. It takes away, it takes away no, it doesn't all make any that kind sense. of... All those little character elements, like sort of make basically my favourite well, character it, it, elements of Roger Moore's trying to Bond. fit everything into the timeline. They're trying to say, well, it started in 62, and we're now in 2002, so it can't be the same man. Yes, it can. It's a shifting timeline. Hmm. It's totally a shifting timeline. I don't, I don't see a problem with that at all. If Brosnan was filming, if, if Die Another Day, because they always say the films are set in the year they're made, 
So if Die Another Day is set in 2002, for argument's sake, Tracy died in 93? Mm. For argument's sake? I mean, no, it. it doesn't have to be 93, but it's certainly not 1969. No. <laughs> um, and I just think the whole code word thing is people getting very uh, tied to continuity and worrying about things you don't need to worry about. This series does not do continuity well. No, it's, it's, it's not like Doctor Who, for example, is it? So you know, each each actor is kind of shown to you know regenerate in in quotation marks. It's completely different. I mean, it's it's not as if somebody passes on the baton to another actor. Um, you know, the, the, fair enough, there is regeneration, as it were, every couple of years. But it's just like, well, it's it's not the same. It's it's completely different to any kind of any other sort of fandom universe in that respect. I think there's nothing else like it, and, and no. you can't pretend there is. No. Um, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that, of that theory, to be honest. It's I, a terrible it's theory. It doesn't work. And I think it debases the series. It devalues the series. And I'm glad he didn't get to put this in. To be no, fair, it's a big it would have just got rebooted anyway after, straight after this because, obviously, it goes back to clear. But again, you've, you've opened a can of worms that, at the moment, it's a silly little theory that occasionally you see somebody posit on Twitter and Facebook. They normally get shouted down immediately. If I see someone posit it... I don't feel the need to destroy them. I just, you know, would just point out that actually that doesn't really scrolling. work because, or, or like you say, just keep scrolling. But I think once you put it out there in the official series, you can reboot all you like. But the moment Daniel Craig gets replaced by whoever it is, suddenly it's like, was that the same man then? Mm. And I just think you're opening up something that doesn't need to happen. The only time we need to have that discussion is when we get to Casino Royale and we discuss, is that the same aim? Well, we'll have that discussion another week. But apart from that, it's the same man. It's the same series. It's the same character, isn't it? It's the same yeah. kind of environment, really, isn't it? So It is. And it's a shifting timeline because nobody, you know, it's like, it's different with Batman, I know, but... You know, Batman's been around since the late 30s and nobody says, well, that doesn't make sense. He'd be 105 by now. No, exactly. It's like, well, well you know, if, if, no, if, if, one's, if one's say true to its timeline, you know, he'd, he'd be dead or, you know, he'd be, mm. not, you know. So I take it as a shifting timeline. If we were still in the original timeline and we had, I don't know, Henry Cavill, Dan Stevens, somebody like that as Bond now, there'd never been the big reboot and we were getting sort of the world is not enough, tomorrow never dies type films. We would be in a timeline where Bond was married 10 years ago to Tracy. Yeah, that wouldn't really work for his persona, would it, I don't think? Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, have we all sort of given a summary there, really? Yeah, I mean, I'm not down. I mean, look, to me, I see this as like a Moonraker type of bomb film, mm. like, and I think I think that's, that's the only way you have to look at it. It's just kind of batshit silly. It's still watchable as hell. The film um, doesn't anger me. Yeah, and it may be because there's so many of them. Superman four or Batman and Robin don't massively anger me either because their predecessors weren't great. But there's no doubt that they killed their respective franchises. So if you were a big fan of the Burton Batman or the Donner Superman, then I could imagine you would be not too happy with those films because they've killed them and made them go away. Well, this didn't go away. I mean, four years is nothing. It's longer than the normal gap. And it did force a rethink. But it did still did loads of money, though, as well. It did loads of money. Oh, yeah, it did really well. You know, it's just... We know as Bond fans that 
you know, at least one time out of three, you go and see the film and it's not great. Mm. No, sometimes you think, meh, that's it. But I think, yeah, without, without this one, um, I mean, you know, it didn't tank. It was, I think it was, is it his highest grossing one, I think? It is. But, but you like... know, without Batman and Robin, you don't get Batman Begins. And without oh, Die the Day, you might get, you Casino, get Casino Royale, Royale, but you don't get Daniel Craig's Casino Royale. No, this is. I think we needed this film to be able to to force that reboot. You know, perhaps a bit so, earlier than necessary. So, possibly the worst film in the series, but not one that angers me, and not one that I struggle to watch that much compared no, to Diamonds, which it, was. It is, it is really watchable. I mean, like you know, I mean, you know, Bond fans might hate me saying this, but you know, I do find it watchable. I, I, well, this yeah. is it. I mean, despite, despite my earlier rant, I mean, it's it's fun to watch. There are fun moments in it, but it's just. The script that generally I think it doesn't make me angry, but I just cringed my way through this film. It's like cringe another day. It's like what the hell? Okay, so but... <laughs> so 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 back over, like before we uh, go through the film, sequentially. Uh, yeah, um, what's is, is there anything about this film you actually do like? Yeah, there are quite a few things actually. Um, like the car chase, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, you, um, you mentioned them. Yeah, the bit where he rocks up in Cuba. I do. I, Unfortunately, this is probably one of my least favourite um, David Arnold Bond scores. Um, but the bit where he walks up in, in I, Cuba. I, I think well, he does a good job when it's, it's not quite going good, techno, yeah. when he's not going like techno yeah, dance remix. Kind he doesn't of do shit. the drum and bass. You know, but you when know, he's actually doing like, oh, I'm just riffing off John Barry, actually, yeah, it sounds alright. It's fine. Um, yeah, some really nice pieces. But yeah, so aspects of the score um, for the car chase um, and the fight between Jinx and Miranda at the end, which is like, I can read every, your every move. I'll read this, bitch. That's the best line in the whole movie I, for me. I really like, like, I, 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 <laughs> I really like the the, uh, the bullet heading straight towards me in the gun battle. <laughs> joking. Mm. I'm joking, of course. We're going to have to go through it. Frankly, I hate virtually all of Jinx's dialogue. And bitch Mainly... and your mama does not have a place in the box. Your mama? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, like... Look, I mean, that was very it, controversial upon its release. Yeah, I mean, there's no. It's not the modernization. It's not that it's um, stereotypically not white Anglo-Saxon patter. It's none of that. Just no. doesn't fit. No, it just it doesn't really, fit. No, it just sounds lame. It's like, oh, what, what, what are we ten? Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, we, we'll, I mean, I, I will go through the film when we go through the film. But you've got one bit where he switch on, switches on Icarus, and his best line is, "Global warming is a terrible thing." <laughs> that's the wittiest line oh. about you heating the earth that you can come up with global warming not very nice no effectively uh, it's might as well just said that. <laughs> yeah no, um the other bit i like as well is um is when the end credits roll that's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> when it ends <laughs> when they're finishing um but no you know i like kind of seeing all the nods and that to the past films i think they, some of them they do quite cleverly um but I mean, yeah, I've, I had fun watching this movie, but it's just, I just cringe your way through it. I just think, oh Jesus, you know. But it's it's fun to watch. There are some there are some witty lines, but there are some terrible lines as well, and it's all a bit of a all a bit of a mess as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, shall we enjoy it sequentially? Yeah. Okay. Um. So um, we get. The... <laughs> you said that grudgingly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we we get the gun barrel, uh, and you know, and Tarot inside. Like, I know. We'll have a bullet go straight out of the. Audience. It's like what? The f- I mean, look. It starts off like oh, it sounds like. It's th- the sound of it sounds quite traditional. Then all of a sudden it goes uh, it, all. It, it does until you see Brosnan. Yeah, and as it, it goes the all as like... the as the dots sort of move left to right, it really sounds actually quite old fashioned. Mm. It does. And then as soon as um, he starts moving into frame, 
that disappears and then he fires this CG bullet down the barrel of another gun, which doesn't make sense. But even if you go with it as a little gimmick, it's not very good, is it? No, somebody mentioned it to us. Quite a small bullet. I mean, mean, you could pretty much sum the entire film just by that alone, really, couldn't you? Yeah, you could, because at all points they're just trying a little bit too hard. They're putting things in that don't need. And the film is screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me. Mm. The gun barrel works as just the gun barrel. We've all got our favourites. I mean, there's occasionally one where we say, really hate the music on that one, or I really don't like the way he moves on that one. But broadly speaking, the gun barrel works. Just don't mess with it too much. We understand, like, the music changes from film to film, the speed of the dots. You know, there are differences. But when I first saw this bullet, I I didn't know about it. And I was just like, what? Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Nothing more than that. I mean, it wasn't... I didn't walk out in disgust or anything. I was just like, what? Really? Okay. It's a bit weird. I'm I'm kind of glad this film wasn't in 3D with all that onto it. It's like, oh, Jesus. But I think, yeah, the, the bullet down the... Uh, it's down the sort of film. I, I do odd. wonder, had this been released in 2010, say... Yeah. I think it would have been 3D. Yeah. yeah. If, it, if it had had that mentality. Because they, this whole film just seems to be... Chris put it absolutely right. Midlife crisis. The series trying to... Midlife crisis it, Trying to feel young. And because you know, the, the thing with the Matrix as well, that just that was a big hit at the time. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, that was a few years ago. And a lot of the extras that aren't on the disc now, but were on the DVDs back in the day and so on, um, talk, about, um, talk about Michael Bay. They talk about Michael Bay's effect on cinema and CG and how this is the future. So, effectively, this film is aspiring to be a Michael Bay film. If he ever comes anywhere near a Bond film, I... He won't get a bomb film. I won't know what I'm going to do. They'll I'll be just... banned. They'll be. I'll start very... a petition. So they will no. be, by the law of averages, they will be very, very bad Bond films at some point in the future. Oh, no, even definitely. if you love Bond films, but there won't be a Michael Bay Bond film. No, hopefully not. <laughs> Famous last words, Michael Bay. <laughs> We're going to. Pl- we'll play that little clip when he's announced. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, <laughs> so we got the bullet. Get the bullet, a pointless bullet, and um, so the opening sequence. Now I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna start by saying I actually quite like this opening sequence. I I think it's probably one of the best parts of the film. This section, um, I I think it's actually if, you know if you if you if you told me like if you stop the film like after this credit sequence, told me like like do you think you're gonna buy this film? I'll be like yeah, this looks really good. This looks quite interesting. You know, it's uh, got a good action scene. And you and you set Bond up in something I've not actually seen before. Well, we've gone to a part of the world we've never gone to. Yeah, he's. It's got. I mean, I don't love You Only Live Twice, but we, when we talked about You Only Live Twice, uh, and we see it in a couple of other Bond films, Little Bit in the World is not enough as well, where Bond sets off and even he doesn't know where he's going and what he's doing. He's kind of winging it a little bit. I th- I think the only problem I had with the opening sequence surfing. No, not even that. I thought the surfing was okay. None of this, Frank, no, none of this opening sequence bothered me except uh, the colour timing because it's got this desaturated, gritty look that had been in vogue since Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, it's got this kind of like filter over it. Well, at this point, the Bourne identity hadn't been released. So the Bourne Bourne effect really hits the bond in the Daniel Craig era. But at this point, Saving Private Ryan had caused, has caught, led to this whole era 
of really desaturated, slightly gritty looking films. And they try to put it on this. And it's weird because every time you see flames, they don't look desaturated. So it's got that kind of Sin City almost look that you've got very, very little color and then very bright orange. And the other thing is, and it's not as noticeable on the small screen, although it is noticeable, but it was hugely noticeable in the cinema, that if you desaturate it and make it look gritty, all you're doing is make Brosnan look old. Yeah, he does look a bit, he's got on a bit. Was he like nearly 50 or something, wasn't he? Uh, Brosnan would have been 49. At in his late 40s. Released, yeah. Literally, yeah. Yeah, there's uh, a few other age discrepancies. And he which smokes we'll as to. well, which ages your skin. So it it's okay, but when you think the last film particularly had quite a warm colour palette, and this really stood out to me. So Chris is right. I think as we went to the credits, I'd be, this is quite interesting, but I would still be shot a bit odd. Mm. Yeah, I'd kind of be in the same boat, really. I mean, it's like, I do, you know, I quite rate, um, like the Hovercraft chase, I think it's quite good. Um it's just, it looks weird because you've got the mix of the kind of the live, I say live action, but in camera effects next to this obviously CGI effects. A lot of the green screen. Yeah, a lot of really obvious green screen as well. And I don't know, you know, cause it, they, they've used it, you know, quite well, obviously, in, in the previous films. So how can they get it wrong here? I don't. But, but obviously, we're, we're looking, you know, several know. years on as well. So you've got, I, you I know, really don't know. I mean,. It's just, it just yeah. looks like it's not um, the way it's edited as well. Kind of, the two don't mesh together. This whole film as looks as very, done, very but... artificial to me. And the last film had quite a warm colour palette. Brosnan looked great and there was quite an organically drawn love story. And this film just feels like a very technical, very cold exercise by comparison. Yeah, it's not... It, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not warming to it, as it were. No. But, um, so, so yes, yeah, what... so you have the uh, night surfing... <laughs> yeah, we best ought to say we. I mean, we don't give plot summaries, but we do kind of tell you what happens as we go through. Yeah, Bond is surfing on the course of on the coast of North Korea, stroke Cornwall. Yeah, stroke Nuki. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it meant to be? Um, it's like uh, somewhere. Is it Maui in Hawaii where they actually get you know the really high waves? Yeah. That's kind of a, a really sort of mecca for pro surfers, so I'm told. Um, but only only because one of the stuntmen in I can't remember his name at the moment, but the, one of the stuntmen in it. Um, was actually in the Sakura remake, so that's how I know. Um, but yeah, so they go from there to to North Korea, which is obviously Nuki. Um, and yeah, there's Conflict Diamonds involved in there as well, which again was also controversial at the time. Uh, yeah, Conflict Diamonds uh, from Sierra Leone. I think I'm right in saying. Mm. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and they're, he's selling them to a North Korean general? Colonel. He's a colonel, colonel isn't he? Colonel Moon. Colonel Moon. Moonie. Um, um. <laughs> And again, at this point, it's kind of all right because I, I kind of like they show that he's got an anger management problem because he's kicking a heavy bag. And yeah, the he's, heavy like, bag he's beating up, yeah, he's beating prisoner. up somebody, isn't it? Somebody inside and I that kind bag. Of like that, and I mean, where it goes as a story, I think is ridiculous. But this is set up okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the villain Colonel Moon. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, his, his father is a general. <laughs> yeah, which is like a take on Colonel Son, isn't it? Um, yeah. Probably, as a name. Again, it's another, look at us, look at us, look at us. But not yeah, at least not everyone would have got that. Um, no. I mean, like, I, I actually quite like his short kind of performance. I mean, later on, his performance doesn't match what Toby Stevens does. You would never believe that's the same man. Even if no. he bought totally into the technology. 
they're so different in build height, mannerism, voice, everything that you're just like, well, that wouldn't work. No, it's completely, it's obviously a different person. But I think I think within the confines of the film, obviously because you undergo, you know, in quotation marks, gene therapy, gene replacement therapy. Yeah, I'll buy into it. I watch Star Wars think... films where they're hitting each other with hard light, fine. Well, this is <laughs> it. <laughs> I know that's not Earth, but I'll buy into the fantasy, fine. Yeah, you just have They've to kind of spend your gene therapy, but... and you can turn from one type of guy to another. Doesn't make any sense why they would. The process doesn't make any sense, and. No. Um, yeah, we'll get there. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it would have made more sense if, like, because they, they do the whole thing, oh, I studied Harvard, well, fine, why don't you just make him as a friend you knew at Harvard, and yeah. he's, he's in with you, and now wants revenge, because... Wouldn't plastic surgery be easier? <laughs> no. Yeah. And you're not <laughs> from North Korea, you're from somewhere else in the Far yeah. East, and you've had just enough surgery on your eyes to pass as whatever, Vietnamese, <laughs> or whatever... But no, you want to be a white Englishman. None of this makes any sense. And we'll, we'll get to it a bit later on because no, I, I can't believe people who've been paid tens, of, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to write this have missed such obvious points. But we'll get there. Okay. So, so basically, he's a bit scrappy do, but yeah, I, you know, I, I like him as a kind of like, you know, a villain who's like, you know, pretty much, you know, sadistic and. Interesting. Yeah, you know, it makes a like a last a short but lasting impact. Uh, we get introduced to uh, Rick Dune as a uh, Zao. Um, yeah, he's pretty cool. Uh, I, again, I it would I I think again if we just scrapped the whole face thing, uh, it wouldn't be a lot better, you know, because he gets exploded. But with that's what going. Our villains and henchmen normally have something notably physical about them. Well, that's well. If you're undergoing gene therapy and you want to pass for some British guy called Richard or something. The last thing you're going to do is leave a load of diamonds in your face. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well things are, like, I think you should just scrap the whole gene therapy thing anyway. And why, oh, can't, why can't Zal just, like, just be disfigured or look the way he does from that nasty explosion that happened? Or a bit like 006, we think he's dead, and no, then we not. find out the person pulling the strings is him. Yeah, it's a much, would it have been a much cleverer way of doing it, I think. Mm. But anyway, yeah, but I, just... I, I, I like how it's set up. Like how Bond like has like the exploded thing in his watch. You know that works pretty well. We get a good action scene on the on the hovercraft. You know, it's yeah, it's it, a good chase. Yeah, you know, it's um, it you know, it, it's a decent thing. You know, I, I it's even, okay. I even liked um, even though it's cheesy as hell. Uh, you know, say by the bell. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did laugh at that line. That does make me laugh yeah. every single time. But it's, he's literally saved by the bell. It but certainly think, didn't oh. bother me. I thought it was all right. But um, yeah, uh, but then we start before we get to the pre-title scenes. We actually, you know, we start Bond is captured and being tortured, and I think, well, okay, well, yeah, this is quite... an interesting place to start a film. I thought it's this, quite is, grim, this isn't is pretty it? neat as well. Much like um, last week with Bond being injured, it's like they've not done this before. This, this, this I like this. Um, and then the Madonna... Do you want to show that he's more human. Yeah, and then the Madonna start <laughs> video kicks in. Um... Okay, now, um, okay, now I'm going to say something kind of controversial as well. Uh, now, if we just ignore the Madonna video, um, I think the actual title sequence is pretty fantastic. I, I think if if it wasn't for that fucking Madonna song, um, this title sequence is probably up there as one of the best ones. I've only got one, I've only got one problem with the title sequence. And that's um, Madonna song. Fact... <laughs> no, no, not even that. I don't. Joking aside, because we've mentioned it on previous weeks, I don't like the Madonna song, but. It's kind of all right in context. I wish they'd never had 
created that context, but it's kind of all right and it fits. My only problem, actually, is we keep getting... Because at the start of the film, or sorry, at the start of the sequence, he's just been captured. And at the end of the sequence, it's 14 months later. I was hope, I, I would expect something a bit more sequential. Whereas what we actually keep seeing is the same shots over and over again. So it's a bit... I wish they'd got more shots of Brosnan. Getting tortured. To you, yeah, to use yeah. in this sequence. Progressing but as apart went from out, that, yeah. I thought it was brave and different, and I quite like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the imagery. It's used. Also, you've got, like, diamonds. They're called um, fire, fire and ice. ice. Yeah, I, I think that's I really, really like it. And also, it reminded me of... Because, um, you know, in Skyfall, when, when we think Craig's Bond is dead, well, we don't. We know he isn't. Yeah. But, you know, he's supposedly dead, and he falls into the water, and the, the woman's hand reaches up and grabs him. Mm. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, well, there's a bit, a bit in this to... film where like a woman's hand cradles his jaw as he's being like. Yeah, reminded me a lot of that. And I kind of like that, and I mm. do wonder if it's meant to be a theme of like Bond is followed, haunted, supported by like ghosts of women that have been in his life. It's just something that occurred to me as a very throwaway thing. Probably not. Something that keeps him going. Yeah, I, I do wonder, but at this point, I don't like the desaturation. I'm certainly ready that like the direction's going to be the worst thing in this film, but it's quite intriguing. Yeah, save for the Madonna song. I think it's one of the, probably the best um, of Daniel Kleinman's anyway, until we get to Casino Royale, which is very pretty. Um, I may have mentioned that once or twice. You've mentioned Casino Royale, but I didn't realise that this was your f- other favourite. I didn't. No, I, I like the imagery in it. I just I think it's really clever, but I would have, I would have thought, like, as I say, it's, you know, 40 months later, um, Brosnan doesn't really look that much different apart from obviously he's got scars and he's you know he's got long hair and well, a beard. put a wig on him. The guy seems to have gained weight. <laughs> um, no, I've not noticed this. I've, I've looked out for this as well and I've, I, I haven't spotted it. But then when he was on set making this film, and I did see a chart of Bond actors' weights at one point. He's, he's quite buff though. No, he's fine, but he's gained a bit of weight. And it was rumored. It, well, it wasn't just rumored. It was reported in several outlets while they were filming this that they kept having to adjust his clothing. He's heavier for this film. And the other thing, of course, is he's just been um, tortured for 14 months. So I'd expect the difference to be a little bit like Tom Hanks before and after in Castaway. Yeah, obviously, I, I wouldn't expect him to be like as emaciated as Tom Hanks was. Not necessarily him. emaciated, but yeah. it would have been wise if they'd filmed with a little a bit, bit of CGI. A, just something. Just <laughs> no. something to for, for a difference. But all they've done is stuck a wig on him. It's not a big deal, but obviously you've got Brosnan at the heaviest he ever is in the role, as middle age spread starts to take hold. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not like, like he's hardly fat though, but he's no, just kind but of, he never more, will be fat. He's, he's not, not lean, built so. that way, but he's not as lean. I mean, put him next to even the last film because he was quite slight in the last one. Yeah, it good. Yeah, I know you said <laughs> we took a sh- we took a short comfort break for you, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Hello. Yeah, Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I edited around it, folks, but she sounded more tired. She really was. <laughs> no, I did not. Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so he's, he's traded for traded for Zhao, isn't he? Yeah, and I again, I'm still liking this. I think okay, this is quite an interesting thing. You know, Bond's like been traded. Everyone thinks he's a, like a traitor. His poor CG fog as he's yeah. swapped. Yeah, poor so again, CGI fog. Effects, looks, feel, colour timing, grading, everything like that, really shit. 
but the story, the setup, at this point, no problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even like beginning, we we begin to think, oh, he's going to be executed, and then it turns out no, he's being traded. And he's doing trades because I like how it plays out. Uh, and then when he gets back, everyone kind of thinks, well, you you must have told. Is like, how could you possibly even know? Because you've been tortured that badly, you wouldn't. You might have said something. You know, without even you might go and waste. Yeah, and it's like that. That secrets. even that kind of like, well, Bond might be doubting himself. You know, it's that kind of God knows, but you know, he, he's pissed off at M. M's kind of like doesn't know if she can trust him or not, and uh, he's kind of pissed off that he's like traded for Cyrus. Like, no, just fucking, you know, I'd rather you just fucking let me die. You know, and mm. trade that trade me for some terrorist freedom. You know, um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm still liking the film at this point. I think up to the point where he kind of does a zen thing and kind of makes himself die literally the the film to me has like three points where it drops by degree it like gets damaged damaged a bit more and then destroyed and the first damage is as you say he's he's on a boat heading for the Falklands for the evaluation center and he's in like a little medical unit and the film suggests that by concentrating on his torture he can stop his own heart i think as, as a um as a kind of ninja style technique isn't there where they can i think they used to be able to evade their enemies by kind of faking death sort of thing and you would kind of slow down your heartbeat to the point where you would appear dead almost i'm sure it exists somewhere on this earth but I'm not sure. I'm not sure about some western no, double-o agent who's no. just been, well, the thing who's just been for a few it's months just a, it's just a contrived when would you have used that before Never. Exactly. I mean, even <laughs> if if you went, oh well, that was a technique he would have used during his torture. Well, no, he wouldn't. No, exactly. It's, it's never established like at all up to that point, like why, how he knows how to do that if he can do that. Mm. And no, it's, know, it's very odd. It's, it's just contrived so he can escape out and go. Oh, I'm checking out, you know, and just wait. I'm... Thanks for the kiss of life, and then she does a Roger Moore by effectively creaming herself at looking at, and he looks like Grizzly Adams at this point. Even if Pierce Brosnan really, really does it for you, he's not at his most flattering <laughs> to look at. He then goes to a hotel he's used to in Hong Kong, he having been stripped of his double O status. Are we to believe that he swims from the Falkland Islands to Hong Kong? No, the boat's on its way. <laughs> it's around Hong Kong. He's probably swung. Yeah, you've seen climb off a harbour, so something like that. Yeah, that's it. No, it's, it's, it's good fun though. But um, yeah. I like is it is it in this kind of this sort of section, um, you can hear what I, I well what I refer to as like the radio beeps that you can hear in Doctor No. I think that's one of the nicest little nods to the past films. I think in in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of very literally blink and you miss it kind of moment. No, I, no really I, I I noticed it. But the thing is, he goes into this hotel and the manager who speaks to him should have been Waylin. That was the idea. <laughs> really? That, yeah, that was going to be Waylin. Uh, oh, it's okay. like a little callback. But he has never managed to do that, have they? Always like call back on previous. It's been Bond t- it was talked about a lot during this era, mm. you know, bringing back previous Bond girl. But this was definitely meant to be Waylin, and she wasn't available, so they rewrote it slightly. What amazes me is, and I did do a time check. It's twenty-eight minutes or something that we go back to Brosnan looking like Brosnan's Bond. His hair How all does sorted. It with a, with a little razor, I don't dozens know. Dozens and do- it's not even a razor; it's a shaver. It's a little shaver, yeah. Which you'd have no chance. But again, it was a promotional tie-in. He's got loads and loads of branded shirts on the bed, and he's drunk half a bottle of whatever Bollinger. it is. <laughs> uh, and the whole conversation reminds me of like 
Jordan with um, Louis Jordan with Roger Moore during Octopussy, where they're discussing wine in the most contrived way. It's they're, they're talking about Bollinger and and lobster and trying to outswerve each other. And it's just suddenly, suddenly the whole torture thing is dropped, and it's never really mentioned again, apart from when he sleeps with Jinx, and he's gone without for fourteen months, and it's loosely referred to there. Mm. The film just totally lets it go. And that's his second strike. The third one's coming up. Yeah, that's just, strikes you again. Yeah, it's kind of what well, it's kind of like last week, isn't it? When like Bond injured, it kind of just like it. It, it makes it a point about what, at some point in the film, and then just doesn't really kind of come a thing really. Uh, it drops which, it, doesn't it? Which, which, because yeah, it, it, it again, it kind of adds like a little nice touch. I mean, there's a nice touch where he has the encounter with uh, the masseuse, whatever. Um, and like, and he, yeah, 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 and he has a little sort of, he has a little sort of moment of crisis, like you know, a little bit of a like. Okay, do I don't I'm, I'm not. I'm kind of like lost me me knack for this a little bit, or, or or something. So there is that which I thought, oh, okay, that that's that's interesting. Like again, we've seen like a wounded Bond, you know, and it just kind of yeah forgets about it. Stupid CGI and ice palaces and whatnot. Um, yeah, but again, he you know he heads off to Cuba. Then the very next scene, he heads off to Cuba and sees a guy that reminds us of Kerim Bay. So again, at this moment, not a problem. Driving a very old-fashioned car that reminds you of Doctor No. You know, there's there's lots about it still until Jinx walks out of the water in a minute. Yeah, and, and he's actually <laughs> on a mission just to actually kill Zhao as well. He's not like you know he's he's not got the backing of uh, Mi Mi Five. Oh, he's, no, you know, he's, he's out on his own, isn't he? He really he's is. Out, it's he's like, literally on a mission. Like, right, well, there's a dangerous man free. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking finish what I start. I'm gonna kill him. You know, well, it's, it's another personal vendetta, isn't it? So, kind of, well, just kind of finishing what he started. You finish what he feels right. I don't think there's a a personal. Well, maybe I don't think he's got a vendetta. It's just, no, it just feels like no. Uh, this man needs to be stopped. Uh, he's gonna see it through to the yeah. end. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's got a. I think that he's been traded on the basis that he's a traitor. Mm. And I think he's trying to clear his own name effectively, find out what that was all about, who betrayed him, etc. Oh, yeah. And he finds out that the diamonds... Well, it's, a bit of a, it's really convoluted from now on and not very well thought through. Jinx walks out of the water at 36 minutes. Yes, you got the Because I, I said in a very early podcast, this film dies at 36 minutes, and that's, this is what I meant. <laughs> I mean, you've got Brosnan, his body type has changed. It's very noticeable when he's talking to Q later on. Uh, his body's become a lot more middle aged all of a sudden, and he's got bouffant hair, and he's <laughs> smoking a cigar and wearing kind of like an Hawaiian shirt, and he looks ridiculous. It's not and as bouffant as Tim, though. Out, not as bouffant as Tim. <laughs> and out of the water walks Jinx and heads to him and has the most painful dialogue. And from this point on, that's how everyone talks to each other in this film. In I mean, it like genuinely puns. dies. Not because, yeah, it's it's all Berry, not because she's walking out of the water, but from the moment she reaches Bond, this film is all puns and one-liners. It's fucking dreadful from now on. The whole so conversation is just like sex puns. 
It doesn't help. I mean, like, you know, God bless her. Not that I hold any animosity towards Halle Berry, but she's not the greatest actress in the world, is she? But she was brilliant in Monsters Ball. Yeah, well, yeah she got, well, she got but the yes, didn't she? And... But yeah, I take your poor general point, Chris. Most of the time she's been hired as eye candy and she's neither good nor bad in most of what she's in. And she cannot, she can't really, you know, she's got that John Travolta problem and not being able to pick a fucking script to save her life. She I wins mean, an Oscar and follows it. I mean, and in, in her defence, she was she was really keen on it. She was like, I mean, she described me as someone who like generally was like like the series. She like she said, I grew up watching them, and she just loved being a part of she it. She was back at work the day after she won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, she, so she was gonna. She, she works hard. Definitely. And, and, she, and, tried. She look, and yeah, and she looks like she actually wants to be there as well. It's just that, yeah, I mean, the script, the script doesn't help. We're two films on from Wei Lin. She's not right as well. And she's like a pale Wei Lin. Mm. And she can't do any of the action Wei Lin will do. And because she's uh, first language is English, they give him uh, her all these dreadful puns and lines that don't work. She's not a fantastically competent agent. Every time she does anything, you've got really shit CG around her, like the backwards dive into the water. That's terrible. She has no chemistry with Brosnan, which is not unusual for Brosnan's run. But don't forget, at this point, I still love Die Another Day back in 2000. Uh, sorry, back in 2002, I still love The World Is Not Enough. And you had the whole Electric King thing. So you've now got a woman who's on all the posters joint billing with Brosnan, so it's it's stunt casting when you don't need it, and they've got no chemistry at all. No, it's almost as if they're meant to be on the same level, but just because of the poor script, um, and just and just the fact that there is no chemistry there, I think kind of fails, you know, spectacularly. But I think um, obviously, like after this film, there was going to be a Jinx spin-off, and there's quite a talk, you know, about that for a, a few years. And um, I think at the time, Halle Bayer is, you know, she's she's really up for it. She was like, oh, I'll even come back and do it for free, you know. She really wanted to do it. But um, perhaps, luckily for, for the rest of us, it never came to fruition. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I, I write her. I mean, Catwoman's hilarious to watch, again, with bad CGI. Um, I really like her as Storm in the X-Men movies. Um, and she's like, really? you know, numerous... Yeah, I don't, I don't think she's quite good. Okay. <laughs> it's, um, it's, I, I, I like the X-Men <laughs> movies anyway, so I just think... Some of the casting is a bit dodgy, but I quite enjoy her in the role. Um... But yeah, it's one of, she's one of those things like she she really had the the um the potential to be like another Waylon and to do those action scenes, but she's essentially damsel in distress and it's just she's scuppered, you know, by so many so many men. It's like poor scripts and you know lack of action scenes and it's just like just feel let down by it really. Yeah, she's kind of outclassed by Rosamund Pike in my opinion. Really, she's the real star of this film, definitely. Uh, she, even though she she doesn't get much to do. No, but... she doesn't. But it's it's a shame. But anyway. Um, so yeah, but basically, we're we're in meeting. There's a little reference to like the fact that you know James Bond saying, "Oh yeah, I I'm an audiologist or whatever it is about birds." Ornithologist. Ornithologist. Yeah, that was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like I'm sorry, ornithologist is not a difficult word particularly. It doesn't lend itself to a blowjob pun. <laughs> I mean, that is really. It does in, this film. in a twelve eight certificate film, folks. In a twelve, in a... Oh, yeah. No. Oh, okay. Um, Their so... whole conversation is, you know, they feast, meaning we're gonna be. I'm basically gonna eat you out all night, and it's just it's shit. one long sex pun, pretty much. It's isn't one it? long sex pun. Brosnan is now looking slightly too old. She's walked just out. She's walked out of the water 
and we've not established any chemistry at all. It's also interesting how literally she emerges from the sea and then she's bone dry. I mean, fair enough, it's hot. But, you know, it, it's very hot. Yeah, but it's not a fucking it. oven. But no, exactly. She's bone dry and, like, and her hair's perfect and makeup's perfect. Well, to be fair, her hair's about four millimetres long. They could <laughs> like, have yeah, given her a much, much more feminine fucking hairstyle than they did. I mean, I've, I'll say I've got short hair, but it's not that short. But it's yeah, just but like, you know, talking, if It's that not was me, that it's short, it's that it's really short. Yeah, she's quite she's quite a really short hair during this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I just, I just find it ridiculous that she emerged from the water and it's just like, Ursula Andrews didn't look like that, you know. Um, so anyway, yeah, they have the obligatory sexy scene between them, don't we? Um, Which we actually see Bond come for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> does, uh, does, does Brosnan give the same pain face he gives when he's getting... <laughs> well, he looks like he's being strangled, so yeah. Um, he, they decided to put this in on the basis that it had been 14 months and he would really enjoy it the first time. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I could not have sex for two hours and I'd still manage to look like I was having a decent time. <laughs> Believe me. No. Well, apparently the scene was, um, was too racy, so they had to edit it, apparently. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what... I, I suspect that might be bollocks, just because of the way it was shot. Yeah, I just... Maybe I mean, it's, shot, it, it's shot in half light with yeah. half of their bodies... I find it hard to believe. We, you know, what, what did we fucking miss? A golden shower? Maybe they consider it to be waste, racy, but if we watched it, we were like, so fucking what? No, I think <laughs> it was just a bit of PR, really, because I remember watching an interview who was Lee Tamahori at the time, and he was saying, oh, you know, we really had to cut back on the scene because it was... Uh, it was they just, a lot of it was... She, and I was like, she, yeah, right, really? Before she appeared in Swordfish Topless, and she basically, they, they decided on set they wanted this shot. And yeah, I think she had a, she had a no nudity rule, I believe. A homage to and they talked to her, and basically she just didn't, she negotiated an extra half a million dollars for this topless shot. And then the Daily Mail, because it's always the fucking Daily Mail, <laughs> came out with she's going to be topless in Bond, which is bullshit from day one. And of course, then Monsters Ball came out, and she was naked in that for quite a bit of it. And so this this whole rumour factory came up that there was going to be this massively explicit sex scene. It's a Bond film, don't talk shit. No, it, you know, you're going to get bombs on seats, you're not going to get that 12A certificate, you know. You're not going to get nudity in a Bond film, you might get a bit of side boob, that's about it. Wait, we didn't even get it in Licence to Kill, and that's a 15. I mean, you get a you get the odd nipple occasionally, and it's a slip and an accident and a mistake. Or in the title sequence. Yeah, I mean, you are not. What was that? Whoop! Too late. Oh, not going to get it much racier than we've got here. No. We've already got a shot where Brosnan is is obviously his character is obviously coming. <laughs> and it's not just a pain face, folks. Or he's being strangled. <laughs> or 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 he's in negotiations for Bond Twenty One. Maybe he's getting massively turned on when being like attacked or tortured. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe what, that's the, what, what is she eating? Is it like figs or something? It's an aphrodisiac, isn't it? Then she's obviously like, he's obviously like. Mm. To be honest, you need an aphrodisiac one second after you've just come to watch this film. <laughs> I don't think enough for I never think I'm going to watch Die Another Day. Best have some oysters. Quick, best have some Viagra. <laughs> Explain that away. My mother comes around to visit and I'm watching Die Another Day with an erection. Why have you can, got can an I erection? Just, can I just like, comment? About? This is well, probably the bluest. Well, no, 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 don't worry, Mum. I took Viagra. This is deliberate. <laughs> I just can't, I think this is like the bluest Becca's ever been, honestly. <laughs> 
Not that she's like, oh. You need to watch Viagra to watch Dino. I don't follow. <laughs> the That's like watching Viagra to watch, taking Viagra to watch the snooker. It just doesn't follow. Which this, this is what I don't understand. Because I was sort of, well, doing research, you know, kind of read up about, um, you know, what, what was kind of in the news about this film at the time. And that's why I, I don't believe this thing. Oh, it was so racy, you know, how to edit it down. That was sort of rubbish, you know. It's, it's as if, like, you know, you have to. You know, when you're filming these things, what, what the hell? Away with. Yeah. And it isn't like, say, in modern days, Taken, where you think, well, it'll be 12 at the cinema and you can have a 15 or 18 at home. Well, mm. we're not yet at the point, and we certainly weren't then, that you're going to get, like, a harder 18 or R-rated cut at home. It's not no. going to happen. You know what you're shooting. You know what you're allowed to show. You'll get away with some cleavage, maybe some side boob. That's it. And uh, that's all they shot. No. I, I don't believe any of the rest of it. Okay, let's move on from the sex scene now. Yeah, no, yeah. let's talk I'll, about I'll, that. I'll be honest, it's kind of boring else. anyway, the whole... This, I mean, I think it's all segment even. It's just like it's uh, okay, nothing really, isn't it? Duke shows up, whatever. Um, and you know, he does a bit of. He's hanging out at the house. Bar. Not necessary. I mean, he finishes the film shagging her. So, well, not really shagging her, but they're clearly together and sexual. And it's like, well, you could have left it at that. You could have cut all of this, and you could have cut all the fucking dialogue on the beach. They yep. could have met, or he could have. He could have just seen her at the the clinic. And it's like she's intriguing. I need to like see her again. You didn't need any of this, and it's all the scenes are dreadful anyway. It's not even until like you know you got the last last quarter of the film, and you find out oh she's, you know she's like we're on the same side, duh. You know it's just like oh bloody hell, you know it takes a long time. Um, but yeah, so she goes to see um, I don't know who he is, Professor Alvarez, I guess, and ends up shooting him dead. Yeah, and um, of course, and of course, the film can pass her wanting to. This film is kind of racist by mistake. It is unfortunately. Well, because basically the only people who want gene therapy aren't white. No. <laughs> oh, no, you've got that South African guy. I mean, Bro- Brosnan's not there wanting gene therapy to, like, become Asian, is he? No, it's but just anyway. oh, a bit cringeworthy. But, um, yeah, she ends up doing the awful... At least she'll have her eating a banana, that's all I'm saying. No. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's not a banana. <laughs> oh, dear. No, that, that, is, that is cringeworthy. Okay, so, um, yeah, um... So we kind of get an action sequence. Well, I say kind of because it's it's one of the lesser of the. He action basically sequences. blows it up. Yeah, he finds Zhao, who's getting gene therapy, and that's why he gets his old face all bald and dainty. And it's Zhao, and Zhao has a thing around his neck that has diamonds, conflict diamonds in it, with Gustav Graves' name written on it, or his initials anyway, his logo. So that links the two of them to each other, and as soon as they fight, it's awful because we go all slow motion and juddery and fucking dreadful. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's so much slow-mo in this movie and it doesn't add to it at all. It's just... It would have been terrible, better if it just didn't have any of it. And it just, it just been... adds to the artifice. You just it keep... does. I know I'm watching a film. I'm sat in a cinema, but it takes like, you out of, keep it takes reminding you out of the me. Moment. No, it takes you out of the moment. I don't like directorial gimmicks and this film is full of it. No. And Brosnan leaves himself so open to getting punched as well. It hasn't been particularly well choreographed. He's got Zhao at his mercy and just gives that up. Yeah, he does it's nothing just with it. lazy and shit. Just shoot him. <laughs> dear, oh dear. So we've got a big fire scene. We've, we found out the main plot. There, Well, we've not found out the main plot, but we found out this gene therapy. We found out Zhao's going through it and has a link to a Gustav Graves we haven't met yet. They've destroyed this clinic and we get a terrible uh, effect with her diving backwards. I hate this shot. And, That's so and, fake. And, and Brosnan's incredible shrinking suit. 
Because <laughs> it's linen. So if you look at the shit, if you look at it, it's becoming a bit fucking. It does shrink a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's going up around his ankles and stuff. Um, and also, Michael Madsen's in this movie. Who knew? That was all to do with the spin-off. There's an episode, in, I think it's the second series of Star Trek, the original series, where they end up on Earth and like Terry Gar and some guy there are like trying to solve a case. And at the end, Kirk's like, you're going to have some wonderful adventures. And it's a pilot. It's a backdoor pilot. Mm-hmm. This is a backdoor pilot on the 40th anniversary of Bond for a Jinx spin-off starring Mr. Fucking Chainsmoking B-movie. <laughs> Really shit idea. And like, I I heard a, 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 or I remember reading at the time that he was actually wasn't gonna play this role. He was actually gonna get the role of like Mr. Kill or sort or, or, or like, a, like a, basically like a henchman role. And yeah. he didn't really fancy just getting like showing up, being a henchman and getting killed off. No, he got signed to no. a free film deal, and he was gonna be Jinx's M in yeah. spin-off films. That's yeah, the only reason. Michael Madsen has done an awful lot of B-movie shit, but he's quite a big star to just turn up for the odd scene. No, he's, he's a big name for this he movie. He was being but set up it. for future films that and never again, happened. Kill Bill's, no. Kill Bill's just come out, or is coming out. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, oh, Tarantino, obviously, the whole Tarantino thing was kind of like a cool thing. Oh, what can you do? Cool. Get Michael Madsen, because he's fucking cool. Yeah, and literally, flavour of the month. And I, I'll be honest, like, Aside from Westworld Dogs and possibly Kill Bill, when has Michael Madsen actually been any good? It, well, he hasn't, but I mean, the whole point is think if he's meant to be the American equivalent of M, do you buy that at all? Nope. No, it, it's, I, you kind of wonder why he's there, really, because he's just sort of going in, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're going to shut you down, but I just don't believe why he's there at all. I find it kind of hard how he's kind of giving M a hard time, and they just don't look at. Well, like, look at him and look at Judy Dench. Yeah. Like, Judy Dench could have just probably just... Well, well, just, you just know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, if you don't sort it, we'll sort it for you. Well, I know when we go to war, you know, I know... Uh, don't forget, Iraq's not happened at this point. The whole sort of, um, you know, America and Bush's poodle thing <laughs> hadn't happened. So what the fuck are the NSA doing saying, well, we're, you do it or we'll do this? It's like, who the fuck are you? It's absolutely nothing to do with you, and you're only setting up a film that's not going to happen. No, it's a bit random. Yeah, so, shit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so anyway, we get um, London Calling, a nice shot of, um, nice piece of music there, which is very cool. That's um, a fit film, though. No, it's a bit random, but it's a kind of, it's a nice nod, I think. Yes. And, uh, yes, and you've got the clash. And a shaken, not stirred joke on the plane while he's being served by Roger Moore's daughter. Yeah, Deborah Moore making a cameo, which is very cool. I think yeah. that's a nice nod. So, and then we get introduced to uh, Gustav Graves. And this is fucking bullshit. Given what happens <laughs> later, I mean, he's, at... he's, he's fantastically. I mean, for, for like you know, saying that Eric Carver is quite hands up. I think. I mean, when um... Bruce Forsyth, I mean, I, you know, when like Sean, Con- when Bruce Forsyth or Sean Connery or anyone like that was knighted, do you reckon they? Skydived to the ceremony. You can imagine Brucey skydiving and then posing, you know, as he lands. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, he doesn't plant in a sort of hero three point plant. He plants on two legs with his arm already. <laughs> it, it, there's that, that kind of muscly pose that he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, no, it's kind of very, um, it's, it's typically Bond thing. I mean, he's essentially like the anti Bond, isn't he? Like, he goes on later on to say, oh, I, I based yeah. the Star Graves on you with your crass quips. Yeah, because you met him for so long. 
Yeah. I mean, basically, you had an action sequence with him, and he said hello, pretending to be somebody else. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> the other thing is, we later find out, spoiler alert, guys, this is Colonel Moon after <gasps> his gene therapy, which Bond was only captured 14 months ago. So he's undergone the gene therapy, and we don't know how time. long that takes, but let's assume that takes months. Let's assume it's instant. We know it isn't, it but let's say it months. was. Well, you know, Zalik was halfway there, wasn't he? With After the... 40, well, yeah, okay, that's fine. Let's say it's instant then. Gustav Graves has appeared from nowhere with British citizenship, set up an empire, and been knighted in 14 months. It's hard to believe. It's, you know, it's a you know fickle thing, you know, British media. And once once someone's popular, it goes all out, doesn't it? I don't know. I mean, look, look, you're trying to throw logic out of, at this film. Yeah, but it's just so fucking stupid. Nothing I can sticks. give Nothing so sticks. many things passes, but these are supposed to be written by half-intelligent people. You have written yourself into this corner. You didn't need to do it. If you'd never had Colonel Moon and Gustav Graves have been the villain, fine, he's being knighted. But you've self-imposed a 14-month time frame on yourself and then gone, yeah, he's being knighted. It, it, Don't it, be a it would have been It would have been a lot easier, it like well, like what I said before. It was like, well, just make him be like uh, like, a so, like a so, like partners in crime with Colonel Moon because they, they knew each other from going from to university. Plenty of Koreans like get a Western education. They could have been at Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, any, or anything like that just would have been like, yeah, I was like, I, I was in cahoots with him. You know, or set, you know, we were both up, educated in the ninety in the nineties yeah. at Harvard, or whatever. It would have been like fine, and they wouldn't have this issue at all. So they've written themselves into this corner, and it looks fucking stupid. And and the moment you see Gustav Grave, he's got this stupid, sleazy, slimy leer, and you just think no one would knight this twat. They'd be <laughs> they'd set up they they vent Operation U Tree for this guy. <gasps> They just would. They would just assume fucking kitty fiddler or rapist. <laughs> he looks like a smarmy fucking sex offender. And he's like parachuted in just to get the Roger Moore fucking Spy Who Loved Me reference in to get knighted after 14 months. The writers of this are fucking retarded. And you thought my rant was bad. Jesus Christ. The thing is that I kind of like Toby Seamus in this. I know it's... I do as well. I, yeah, it's tremendous fun in the role. I think he, he really does have a good good time. Um, and I, I like now, like you know, he, he's he I've rates, never found that a defence for a film. He was having a good time. If I'm watching <laughs> something that's utter shit, but the actors enjoying themselves, I don't think. Well, that's all right then. He hums it right up. He has a good old time. He's shite in this. <laughs> At least in the chamomile lawn, he stood next to women who had their tits out and stuff. This is just a waste of celluloid. <laughs> Obviously, obviously now, now he enumerates you know, his bond as some, in some of the audiobooks now. Apparently his audiobooks so. are great. No, yeah, I've listened to a couple of them. Well, I've listened to quite a few of them, actually, if not all of them. They're good. Um, yeah, really enjoy it, actually. So I'm kind of glad that he got to be Bond in, in that way, at least. So I say, if, if a lot of people had problems with Daniel Craig being a Bond Bond, if you had Toby Stevens with his ginger, <laughs> a lot of people would have been like, what? I've been up, bro. Yeah, he would have got in on the two-tick disability scheme, wouldn't he? Oh, <laughs> Ginger's a disability, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to be waiting this. <laughs> I kind of, in a similar sort of way as Alec Carver, like in the, he's just so snivelling, so like, oh my 
in a way that I understand why people hate him, and and and, and I feel the same way too. But oh, I, I, I bought Elliot Carver much more than this. But no, but, no, but the thing is though, you, you kind of like you watch. He's kind of got such an unlikable screen presence that you actually can't wait for him to get shot in the face. So it's that. So it's that kind of. It adds to that kind of. I'd have been thing. happier if they'd given him better lines though, because we got an awful lot of what's the point. And to the point, and shit like that, jokes. And it's all—it's all like one-liners. It's only being on the edge. We know who we really are, and you know, it's. Are you a sporting man, Mister Bond? And he's just leering constantly, and I'm thinking, well, I'd understand that if that was at women or something, but it's just this strange expression he pulls, and then they give him lines like, you know, global warming—it's a terrible thing. I'd be embarrassed if I wrote that. If I wrote that, that would be my first draft. That would be, that's a crap line. I'll replace it with something else. And I'll think of something. I would never let that go in as, as the final line to put in the film because it's shit. No, it's a bit terrible, isn't it? It's, it's like the same puns all over again. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind that line, but he doesn't have many, does he really? Liking him is subjective. I can understand people might say, I quite like his performance, but the the script he is given is really shit, and the whole idea behind it is just not good. No, that's the um, problem with the whole. With, that's the problem with the film on the whole, you know, in general. Just... And then, of course, we get. Uh, I, I can't remember at what point we're introduced to the fact that Miranda Frost is an MI six agent. That may be the next scene. No, I think it's. But I think, bit... I think I think actually the next scene is is Blades the Club. It is. It is, yeah, which is the Reform Club, obviously. But yeah, I, I quite like, apart from Madonna, just not, not because of her character, but just because it's it's it just it's unnecessary. Um, she demanded uh, otherwise, it's a condition of doing the theme tune. Well, yeah, no, they're fair enough to her and everything, but I just kind of think... Mm, well, not you know, fair just, enough at all. I mean, that, no, no, that, that, that's what she that wants to do, really but she, sh- just, she just ruined, yeah. It's pointless, it's pointless. The song is shit, it kind of like, you know, it's like, oh no, I'm going to do something different because I'm fucking Madonna. And not only that, I'm going to start sort of Adding something like Seaman Freud analyze this. It's like yeah. it's, it's almost as if you're saying like all oh, like this Bond's kind of like it's like you're making a statement about Seaman Freud and Bond connecting them to. It's like it's just bollocks. And then she's demanded to be in the film. I actually, don't. If I'd never heard of her, this cameo would not stick out as terrible. I know it's it's fashionable to like knock her as a shit actress. Because it's Madonna, it jars terribly. But if I'd never seen or heard of this woman, it's fine. It's not that bad. But, I mean, the thing is as well with Madonna is apparently on set, and I heard this years ago, so I can't speak to the truth of it, but every time her and Brosnan didn't like each other because Brosnan thought Brosnan's quite a laugh. And every time he saw her, he was singing the song Hanky Panky. <laughs> and she just had no sense of humour about that. And that's kind of how Madonna comes across to me. Yeah. No fucking sense of humour whatsoever. No. And she's demanded to be in this film, and she was probably all fucking like serious about it as she's well. And it's just fuck off. Anyone could have done a better song than her. It's one of the worst what f- songs in the entire series. And when I heard it was going to be Madonna, I thought that was all right. I thought what she was going to produce was going to be fine. And when I heard it, I thought it was a fucking joke. Yeah. I thought yeah. I'd heard some fucking spoofer. That's not it. Don't be silly. Come on, play us the real version. You, you, you kind yeah. of think, you kind of remember thinking like, no, 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 but okay, this is like a remix of, of the song, of the song that's actually going to be in the film. You yeah. kind of like, even when it came to actually sitting in the theater, watching it going like, 
please, just like, just not be. Oh, we're gonna hear the full version. And, uh, yeah, gonna hear the proper. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be like you know because like it does have like strings that it does sound. It starts off kind of nice. It starts oh this is gonna be like something different. And when you hear the, and it goes all techno. Yeah, you go like oh, you ha-, but your heart just sinks. But she sings like, it at the top end of her vocal range, so it's really high. It's got a load of fucking like auto-tuning on yeah it sounds like it's been auto-tuned so there's just absolutely nothing and like madonna when she drops her voice a a little bit can be like quite rich sounding this is cheap nasty shit and as if the payoff for her doing that was to appear in this scene then it was not a good deal for anybody (laughs) no sorry what what i meant to say earlier was i say we're talking about the scenes that actually do that i do like um apart from madonna i do quite like the sword fight it escalates quickly. I fucking hate it, and I tell you why I hate it, right? And I've 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 always been ambivalent about it, but tonight I'm watching it. They are smashing the shit out of the place. <laughs> they swing a sword through one guy's newspaper. I mean, if that were real, they'd be millimeters from fucking chopping him through the center of the head. <laughs> and you just think, in what universe would these guys do that and then finish up with a handshake and a fucking check? The really police would be called. <laughs> I know it's a Bond film, but like, let's not fucking be stupid here. And it's in the Reform Club ridiculous. as well. Bond has basically blown his cover if he had one immediately, because we don't know this is Colonel Moon at this point. And they've just behaved like a pair of piss pots. He's still kind of on his own in this in this respect, isn't he? So there's no kind of cover. He can go around saying Bond, James Bond. It's not like, you know, he's James Stock or whatever. There's no kind of cover story to be had here. No, but he doesn't know Colonel Moon knows him. So he's, he's turned up, showed him a diamond... That's what's mine. You know, and they basically they've gone at each other that like, their lives depend on it. And there are so many members of the public they go straight by. You don't see members a sword of the club someone's and nobody, fucking newspapers. It's ridiculous. Nobody stops to well to stop them really. They all go around staring at them. If you contained it and took the public out of it, I might have bought it. But it's just like no one would do that. <laughs> I kinda like it as well, because <laughs> I totally get what Dave's saying. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, but yeah. but it's it's the, only the, a few edits. For I mean, with liking or hating the sword fighting scene is a matter of taste. But it's only a few tiny edits and placement positions away from being fine. Don't swing a sword at someone's newspaper while they're sat there. You're making your protagonist look fucking stupid and <laughs> reckless. This is a seasoned agent and a guy who's just been fucking knighted. Really. <laughs> Get it off your chest, Dave. Come on. Let us know what you really think. Actually, I didn't realise I hated this film as much as I do. We started talking about it. It's fucking bollocks. <laughs> when this when this goes up on iTunes, when this goes up on iTunes, we'll have like the extremely explicit or something. Nah. Oh, we want kids to listen to this. No, you got uh, to earn that. I've got to say like cunt or something. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll, I'm not planning to do that, so carry on. <laughs> no, not just yet, anyway. So. No, no, no. But, you know, as an actual, just general sword fight, I think it's well done. Yeah, I think yeah. it's well done as well. Yeah, it's really well choreographed. I've got no problem with that. Just don't have them swinging at the general public. It's but, just uh, stupid. No, I mean, that, that's my main, main problem, obviously, like, apart from Madonna. And the it's fact just that, no like, one thinks and, about uh, it. Yeah, and then Gustav no, Graves, yeah. like, after all this carnage, yeah. goes like, ha, it's just a bit of fun. Just a bit of sports, you know, and shake on it and all that. And, like, no. And then and then as he's leaving, what looks like Oliver Skeet and probably isn't, hands him a key, and I think, well, how the fuck did M know he was there for a start? Uh yeah, oh, it's just like she has eyes everywhere. Well how can how how can M not know he was there? I mean 
<laughs> it's two minutes after he smashed the place up. I mean, oh. We you know where he's been, where it's you know left in a mess. But anyway, where yes, hasn't we he been? Woof. Where hasn't he been? It's funny, yeah. We get, we go underground for the M scene, um, which is just a YouTube session meant to be Vauxhall Cross, but it's actually fictitious. It's like I've never thought, I never, never thought I'd be the, see the day when I, I actually go here. And I was like, okay, yeah. what's the big deal? It's like a, you know, abandoned station for yeah. abandoned agents. Yeah, we've never heard of it, so why would we give a shit? Yeah. No. Oh my well, god, how poignant that they've gone to this place we were introduced to 15 seconds ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, he seems really hurt the fact that he's gone to, like, a, pl- like, a, a place for abandoned agency. You know, well, you kind of are one. And then M instantly gives him a job. So, um. You burn me. <laughs> that is what he sounds You've funny. suddenly slipped into fucking performing it like a hammy Shakespeare actor. <laughs> You know, you were really good last week. You suddenly turned up out of shape and you've performed the... Oh, he's crap in this film. I, actually, I, I don't mind Boston in this. I actually quite... I think he's, 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 he's fine. I think he's not as good as last week yet, but I think he's he's decent enough. He's not the problem in the, in the film. No, it's again, and it's all director and you don't know what take they chose and everything else. So it's fine, but it's just... We then get this stupid CG... Um, uh, train VR training thing, which makes no sense at all. It's, it's preempting. Um, oh, God, what is it called? Oculus Rift and, and the like. Because no, yeah. as we find <laughs> out with Money Penny later, you put the glasses on, your, yeah, butts, that's another... your butts come undone by themselves. That's another one of my favourite scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> but that like kissing scene between like someone's programmed in Brosnan's penis to this. <laughs> they haven't just like gone. That's his likeness. Uh, they've actually like programmed in those sorts of details i remember going to see this at the cinema and that, like that end scene everyone was like it was cheering they were like yes obviously because there's always so much tension between bond and money do you go and watch these films at a fucking retards day out because <laughs> you, you, we've had this a couple of times through the series my audience were laughing and it's some bollocks line <laughs> i remember my, my audience like literally in that scene thing oh my god they killed money penny on yourself like you know they actually generally thought yeah. they, the first yeah. one yeah well, it's one of those things, you know, there's always a bit of romance and tension like, between them. So when they finally kiss, it's like, yeah, you know. And it's just, obviously, because the film was so ridiculous. And I think everyone just laughed all the way through because it was hilarious. Mm. But it's just one of those things, you know, there's historically there's been like tension between them. Or will they, won't they? And you meant to have this backstory between them, which I don't think exists. Might have existed between, um, you know, Lois and, um, and Sean Connery's Bond. But perhaps it doesn't exist between Samantha Bond and... Yeah, and it's Bosnia. only a theory Lois Maxwell came out with. I've never bought that at all. Well, no, that's it. But it's, it's just the secretary he flirts with. That's, that's it. it. That's it's all it is. It's interesting backstory, though, I think. But it's always good. You know, it's one of those things you think, well, they won't It's a nice know. idea, and I like the idea of somebody like Lois Maxwell, who wasn't given a massive amount of screen time in each film, kind of owned a character and gave her that backstory. I like that, but it doesn't suddenly make it canon. They they haven't. They just haven't. Oh, God, no, no, no. And then he shoots them, and then basically we're introduced to the new Q. We met him last week as R. I like this Q scene. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I thought this, like, when I saw it, I it didn't jar for me at all. I'd I, I sort, I sort of stink up. No, it didn't for oh, me. I, it was oh, just, okay. On. He's dead, and the thing is, Desmond Llewellyn, he died so close to the last film. He's been dead at this point for three years. So, I mean, it's not that fresh. I know it's the first film without him. We've had a long time to get used to the idea that we're going to get a new queue, and it's the guy we met in the last film. So, you know, we can talk about the individual gadgets and the way the scene's put together, but Q and Bond are not a problem in this. 
I think I like how it just just go with it as if it's like normal procedure as well. That it's not. It was like we're not. We're not really even gonna like sort of make like a little sort of like little sort of awkward little thing where you know we're like we remember the old queue. There's a new queue kind of thing. It, no, they just go straight into it, don't it's they? It's literally just like so. Yeah, I've been doing. I've been doing this for ten films already. You know, so it's and that's how it feels. It's it, it's fun to spot all the relics from the last films as well because you have got like the the alligator, you got the Aquastar jet, um, Rose Club shoes, the jetpack, the cello, Ken Adam sketches and that on the wall, um, and other little gadgets there in between. So it's fun to spot all of those as well, I think. And an invisible car. An invisible car. But I, I do like the um, the cleverer than you look, looking cleverer than you are. I think that's really clever. I thought that was fine. That's a great line. Mm. It's nice. That, sorry, Pardon just you. Burped. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Leave a beat. Start again. Go. On. Um, I I do like how. I mean, it's it's a kind of shame how John Cleese never could, could continue on as Q uh, beyond this because he does a really really good job, and I like how he's actually a lot more insulting towards Bond than uh, than Desmond was. He's yeah, it's that kind of relationship again, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he's physically bigger. I mean, John Cleese is a very big man he's a tall with guy, a isn't big he? personality, and in the last few years, Desmond Llewellyn was a very small old man, so. You know, he's looking, he's physically looking down on Brosnan. So I think I buy it a lot more. I'm not going to say I prefer him to Desmond Llewellyn, but had they carried on with another couple of Brosnan films and it had been John Cleese, fine. Yeah. So he, pits, he fits the role very far. It just would have been nice to have, like, well, he's not, not really controlled it, but, you know, he did a really, really good job as Q. Um, and I can't think of anyone else who would have done a better job as taking over, really. The, oh, I don't want to go through all the other gadgets and the 20th watch and all that. Suffice to say, there's a load of nods to previous films, and it's really fucking clumsy. But then we get to the invisible car. The Vanish, or the Vanquish. Yeah. What did we think of that? Because uh, it's, it's become infamous. I it's thought... real-world technology, isn't it? I think, cause I, I think there was an episode of Top Gear sometime towards the end of last year, wasn't it? Uh, where they did like, um, oh, no, it was in the summer. Um, about the reflective technology, so it's kind of preempting that. Mm. Obviously, several years on. Did it but, bother um, us all at the time? Did it offend us? Did we roll our eyes? Did I we just thought, go fair enough? Yeah, eye rolling. I think just think, oh god, here it goes. You know, it's all. This is like the absolute. Well, <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> is what they're doing. Here. I just thought, no, no. I mean, even if like it, okay, you, you kind of explained how the technology could work. It's kind of like a predator car. But I was thought, no, this is kind of like a step kind of in the wrong direction. Even if you can justify it, it just looks too daft. It was like, no. So even, even though it's an invisible car, obviously once it gets once they get to, to Iceland, it's like, it, the car might be invisible, but you can still see tracks, the tire tracks in the snow. It's like, I think what? that was my... But I didn't like it because I thought, like Chris, I thought it's going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Again, remember how much at this point I like the previous film. Majesty's no. is my favourite as well. I don't want this kind of shit. But I didn't go, that's a ridiculous concept. I was just like, okay, well, we get plenty of silly little gadgets. That's fine. The, my problem was they immediately put it on ice and snow and I just think, are you fucking dumb or something? Yeah. Do you not realise if you run over snow, you leave an imprint of whatever you put over it? And I'm just thinking, there is, there's more than one writer on this. They must have had a conversation. Did it not occur to them to go, that doesn't work? 
and that the in use at some points it's completely invisible at some points you get kind of a sort of opaque outline of a car it's not consistent from one scene to the next and when Brosnan gets out one side you see the inside and you think shouldn't he be reflected onto the other side of the car if there's cameras on both sides of it there's complete inconsistency in usage and it is literally the last gadget you would ever come up with to go to snow with like use it in any other film and it it would have made more sense last week any other film in the series almost it would have suited better than this one i i didn't realize till this week how little use of visible car is and like in terms of like well he doesn't really get much he sneaks up he sneaks up to a door at one point (laughs) he uses it it to finish off zao oh that was it yeah yeah that's about it yeah isn't it that's it yeah yeah that that, that is actually it yeah it also kind of blows his cover as well because like a guy kind of funnily just drives into it by accident (laughs) yeah um but yeah I don't know. I, 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 I've kind of come numb to it, but I've never liked the idea. I just thought it was even, even if you can justify it by modern. There time. is that. I, I've seen it so much over the years. I never had the reaction to it that other people did as a concept because he's been handed so many gadgets that aren't actually that logical. I mean, surely that mouth rebreather doesn't work. You can't breathe for minutes with a tiny thing like that, can you? That's fake anyway. It's just just just, how it looks. It's not like... Yeah, it is. It's that it's a big, ostentatious folly rather than a little subtle one. And I I never hated it that much. And if the film had been good, it wouldn't have been ruined by an invisible car. But don't go and put it on snow, you fucking idiots. (laughs) Ridiculous. So we go to the Ice Palace. Oh, yeah, we get, then we get find out that uh, Rosman Pike is actually uh, working for M. Yeah, and she reads off she reads off a character summary about Bond, mm. which I, I do wonder if at some point that was a voiceover for a trailer. You've got the Death Breakfast reference, haven't you? Which you, is who talks to like that? Title. Yeah. If, if I worked with someone and someone said, can you tell us about so-and-so, I wouldn't say he'd light the fuse under any explosive situation. <laughs> Who talks like that, you fucking idiot? Death for dinner. Sex for breakfast, that was it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these moments as well, it's like, they look good in the trailer, but then when they actually you see them in the finished film, you just think, hmm, really? Every yeah, line just... of this film was written as though for a trailer, though. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the kind of general feeling of this, really. It's only by being so. on the edge we find out who we really are. That's yeah. not written for a conversation. That's written for a trailer. That's written for a trailer. It's written for a little, you know. Whether audio it was clip. eventually used in the trailer, I don't know. But that's what it's written for. Erased it from my memory. Uh, but um, but that's something. It's another nice little nod to a past movie there, to Majesty's. Well, past movie is to the Majesty's book, isn't it? So, um, but yeah. So from there we go to Iceland, and I'm Mr. Kill. There's a name to die for. That's a oh. shit line. I've just got like cringe, cringe, cringe written against all these. I mean, that is an embarrassingly, embarrassingly bad line. It all goes downhill from here. I think, well, the film's been going downhill, you know, <laughs> for a long time. But I think this is where, when we get to Iceland, this is where it really drops off for me. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's on, a, on a downward slope. We're kind of beyond, beyond halfway point now, aren't we? I mean, so you've got the ice sequence, then it's the ice palace bit. And, uh, well, it's a pretty big sort of part of the film. But then after that, it's the... We get to the climax, really. Um, so, yeah, so he goes to... Uh, he's still thinking it's Gustav Graves, by the way. So he goes to uh, the 
the, his big presentation thing where he's going to present Icarus. Uh, so it's a big like hotel made of ice. Like, okay, that's. And the CG looks terrible. I mean, particularly when it's melting near the end. So I, I, I just want how on earth is is anyone actually keeping warm? Well, I, I don't know. I, I tend to give it... I, I'm told there are ice hotels and stuff. I don't think they quite work like this one. But I just think the film looks fake and pine wood and shit from now on. It's just awful. There is no redeeming feature to this part of the film. It really looks fake and nasty and horrible. All of the dialogue is terrible. And not much of the plot makes sense. This film started quite well. Yeah. Not for very long. I, I don't well, want to overstate it. Just for its pre-title sequence. We, we meet Jinx it was better than this. again. Yeah, we see Jinx again. Um, very stunning Versace dress, I think, which is very cool. It's very sparkly. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Oh, yeah, Bond realised she's an agent at this point, doesn't she? Um, yeah. And we, Bond doesn't realise yeah, doesn't realise that... Um, does Bond know that um, Randy Foss is an agent? Or? No. Not yet, no. no. Oh, no, no, he knows she's MI6. Like, how, how, when does that come across? Is that when she... I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if it is at all, but he just magically seems to know. Okay. He yeah, figures it out somewhere along the line. It's not really well explained, I don't think. Do you have a nice, playful scene together in the kissing, you know, which is... Which kind of, like... it. In a way, it, it doesn't seem true to her character how she would just instantly throw herself at Bond. Like, after saying, like, oh, no, I'll never, I'll never... I know, and the other thing is, Pierce Brosnan is 40... Nine, Rosamund Pike is twenty-three. Yeah, there's a massive age gap. And now. Rosamund Pike's aging well now, but I mean, she's got no lines or sign of aging on her at all. She's quite a young twenty-nine, and it's just like, don't be fucking stupid. <laughs> and one film after Sophie Marceau, don't do this. It doesn't make sense, but then when you find out her that what her true intentions are. It, it makes does. no. It makes sense that she slept with him. It totally does. But yeah. I just think, don't cast it like this. No, which is relative unknown at the time, wasn't she? She, she was, was, yeah. She was totally unknown at this point. But I, 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 you know, she does stand out in the film, though. I do, I do think that. Oh, I think she's very good in this, but I just, I'm not sure this is the way you cast it, to be honest. Yeah. But hey, I mean, it's it's it is what it is, and she's fine. It's just, oh, it's just the rest of the film is just dumb, isn't it? Really, basically. Really yeah, it's just ridiculous. Stupid. Uh, the car chase is good fun, but that's about it, really. Hate the car chase. So yeah, I mean, he sleeps, and then of course she she unloads his gun, and that doesn't make any sense that he wouldn't notice the difference in weight. No. Um, yeah, we have that problem next week, don't we? And then we get Jinx captured, and you know, it's again this idea. It's a little bit like. Um, uh, was it Moonraker? It, 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 sounds, it said... sound really naff when she's like sort of calling out, Miranda, Miranda. <laughs> well, like... it's just she's she's captured, and she's given she's sort of pinned to this thing, and like it's lasers. It's meant to be like the, the that's a gold finger. Yeah, that's but... that scene was really tense. But again, it's the whole idea of bloat and purge cycle where they've gone. Well, one laser was tense, so four will be really <laughs> tense. Mm. Um, and we'll have a big punch up in the middle, and it's uh, like. Oh, it's shit. It's really bad. It's a scene that could be really well choreographed, but it's just had all kind of style and substance thrown out the window. It's just, just ridiculous. Yeah, and yo mama. Um, your mama? Yeah. She's very disappointed in you. 
Yeah, so that's shit. But Bond gets out by using his gadgety ring piece. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't get very much in the way of gadgets. Doesn't he? No, 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 that, that. His ring in a car, and that's it. Or in the watch. Yeah. But he's got the laser watch, but then later on, whether, you know, spying on's out at the airbase and everything, oh, he no. gets the secateurs out. He what gets away that? just in time to um, kite surf a tsunami. He does, another one. Oh, no, this is the bit where Miranda reveals herself as a, a double agent, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. escapes from her because they're about now, to kill him. This is like, again, a, 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 it is a fleeting moment, but it's, again, it's another moment that I do actually like. It's a very Bond moment. As soon as Miranda real, uh, reveals herself that, no, no, I'm actually working with um, Toby Stevens <laughs> or like Gustav Graves, like, Bond literally, without hesitation, just goes goes to kill her. Like, literally goes to fire his gun. Like, yeah. Fire, yeah. Which, I, I, you know, I know it's it's very like, all right, it's too little, too late, blah, blah, blah. But it is in that is a good character moment for me as Bond. Yeah, yeah that's fine. So I thought I'd at least give that a mention. Okay, silence. Uh, <laughs> no, I got it too, don't worry. Yeah, um, but he escapes in that sort of land speed hover fucking thing. And, and, and beats his time as well. And beats his time immediately because this bomb is <laughs> awesome at fucking everything. He's just saw fighting a guy. He saw fought, fought a guy earlier who wants to be in the Olympics as a fencer. <laughs> and, and he's being trained by the current Olympic champion. And Bond just turns up and beats him. Not too bad. But I love the look on his face, though. He's like, oh, boss, you beat your time. And he's just like, he's got like a sneer like a roller blind. He just kind of but gives the, him, you know. The wind changed. He's, <laughs> he's been, he's, he, he learned acting from Barbara Back. Choose an expression <laughs> and just hold it. It's basically like sort of sneer from one side of the lips. I know. It's just, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then we get this thing where he fires Icarus, which basically covers, causes a, a landslide of ice, which causes a tsunami. That Bond kite surfs, but it isn't really Bond, is it? It's Horace goes skiing. Horace. <laughs> it's really shit. This is some of the worst CG you'll ever see in a big budget film. The only the only CG that leaps to mind that's any worse is either the second Mummy film with with the uh, the Rock at the end, or possibly an American Werewolf in Paris. The thing is, that it's just ridiculous as well. Like, I, I generally remember like sitting there thinking, "How's Bond actually going to get out of this? That's quite a, that's quite a, a tough corner to get out of." And I was thinking, "Oh, that's, I wonder how he's going to actually going to do this." And then they, then they did what they did, and it's like, "Oh, okay." It's a bit disappointing, <laughs> isn't it? It's just like, oh, really, okay. It's awful. It's an awful sequence. It looks like this weird little computer sprite, and and the thing is, CG's improved dramatically. Even then, though, it was bad. Remember, back in this era, Lord of the Rings was being made, the Star Wars prequels, all got their faults and all have poor CG, but I don't think I've ever seen water and ice done worse than in this film. <laughs> this is the worst looking of, of all three of those examples. Yeah. And if you watch the Lord of the Rings, you know, on Blu-ray, and that, that still stands up. Well, in my opinion, it does anyway. There are scenes in it, though. I mean, you you know. Yeah, set... there are some there are some wobbles because obviously, yeah. you know, as you say, CGI is. Some of it improved, looks great. But... I mean, some of it looks really good, and it all looks better than this. Uh, yeah, and again, this all leads to, ends up leading to a car chase. Oh, oh, car oh yeah, chase. where's uh... Al got an actual fucking a car that's just like Hugh Bash? I don't know. <laughs> well, he had all those um, 
John, uh, I was in, sorry, Colonel Moon had all those American sports cars back at the beginning. Don't forget. Well, yeah, 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 but, yeah but they're sports you know, car. Why are they all the sports why? cars? They don't have like they're not presumably don't have rockets and all that kind. Well, of This thing. one does. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just. But no, I think it's pretty cool though. And obviously, you've got the ejector seat reference. Um, it's Again, just, it's, it's now a word from our sponsors. Because, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Jaguar and Aston Martin were owned by the same group at that point. I don't know if they still are. So, I don't know. Cause I, I know so you got um, this horrible sequence. I know Jaguar is, is a total. It, it starts steel. with like a whip pan and then a bit of slow motion and then it's just awful. I hate this whole sequence. What the car chase? It's good fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you know really quite well not well edited. Yeah, but, but it's, it's quite choppy. Yeah, but it's, and... it's it's directed by a fucking imbecile. <laughs> I mean, the concept of two, you know, high-powered, highly tricked-out cars going at each other on ice, I don't have a problem with that as a concept. But it's all stupid directorial tricks. It's got no bearing on anything. And like I say, it was directed by a twat. (laughs) It's no real consequence either, to be honest. It was just, you know, they're probably at the same level kind of. Yeah. In terms of you know what their abilities are, but I just think it's kind of it, it looks good. I've known people who genuinely love this film, and I kind of get it in a sort of way that some people like Rocky Horror. Mm. It, it's got a kind of kitsch to it, but they weren't going for that. That's the thing. You watch no. something like Batman and Robin, and they thought they were making a kids' film, a live-action cartoon. Uh, you know, Joel Schumacher even said that. Remember, everyone, it's a cartoon. This film starts with torture. It's got, by Bond standards, a fairly graphic love scene in it. I mean, it isn't graphic at all, but by Bond standards, it isn't. And then we go, yeah, but it's camp and it's fun. Well, that's not what this film is at all. The only reason it's come out looking like this is they tried, they put too much CG into it, thought the way to go was lots of, you know, homages and jokes. And you've ended up with, and slow-mo and silly. So it ends up, we end up going, well, it's a bit campy. No, it's not. It's incompetent. It's this like, was I not always, directed to be camp. I always think about that the time they do the whole like slow motion camera turn kind of thing. It's like they always do it at the wrong moment. It's like yeah, they always do it. Where you go, well, what do you do it there for? Yeah, it's like the one that strikes me the most. I mean, apart from like the sort of blatant a, a car traveling into a place. What? Okay, why? And then, but the bit that always makes me think, what was that for? When when. Uh, Gustav Graves slash Curl Moon kills his own father. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's what you were going to say. And it's like, why is that? Why is that there? Does that, how's that meant to mean it? Like, it, it's meaningless, and it's just not thought through. And it, you know, I'm not saying most of these guys. I mean, if you go through someone like McGee's filmography, you'll find a couple of competent things. But time after time, Roland, uh, a bit like Roland Emmerich, he's produced cr- crowd pleasing shit. And this is this is not a good filmmaker, and this is not a good film. And the sad thing is, it started with something really brave. You know, yeah. Brosnan dropped all vanity. I mean, bear in mind, all the way through this era, Brosnan, I mean, he had sex in Tomorrow Never Dies. His hair didn't fucking move. I mean, the guy is just, you know, that thing that Leslie Nielsen took the piss out of in Naked Gun. You turn to a different camera and your hair isn't is perfect, no matter what fight you've been in. And that's the way Bond was in this era. He was a clothes horse. So the idea that they roughed him up, made him look like shit, got him fired from the service, and you've got no idea what's going to happen next, to throw that away is nothing short of criminal. And it's the second film in a row where you've thrown away something that could have been really good. I forgive it with Tomorrow Never Dies because that was only ever going to be mediocre. 
But two films in a row now, you've absolutely shit the bed on a really good idea. You know, it's a bit like when you watch it's a much better film. But you watch something like Les Miserables and they go and build like these lovely lavish sets and then shove the camera right down the actor's fucking throat. And you just think, well, that was brilliant. Just back up a bit. And it's the same with this film that like, if even if the script had been perfect, the director's getting in the way of it working at all. Well, he made The Devil's Double as well, didn't he? The... Um... The Saddam Hussein movie. And the Edge Out was quite a good movie, but that was obviously before that. was a war, as we know. Let's see what else. Um, Which I've heard is really good. I mean, I haven't seen a lot else. And the other thing that springs to mind is he did do the second Triple X film. Yeah, that's basically like Bond again, pretty much, wasn't it? Uh, Hang on a minute. Let me just look at imdb.com forward slash Lee Town imdb.com? Oh, okay. Mm. (laughs) He did an episode of The Sopranos. Mulholland Falls. And the lesser of the two um, Alex Cross movies. Along Came a Spider, yeah, which is... Kiss the Girls was the first one, wasn't it? Kiss the Girls was way better. So I heard. But at that point, you think, well, he's not going to produce anything too bad. And then he produces this, State of the Union, and the Nicolas Cage film next. Oh, that was awful. I've not not even seen that. This is not a good filmmaker. (laughs) Oh, no, I've not seen The Edge. That's going to be good, isn't it? Is it? He was know. first assistant director on Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, the David Bowie film. Oh, okay. Which I kind of quite like. Oh. I mean, the fact is, I mean, we could sit here all we like, and I mean, he could have Citizen Kane in his, in his resume, and it doesn't really matter. The fact is, the film we're reviewing tonight is fucking shite. <laughs> and directed badly. Um, because it's, it's too showy, and it just looks so artificial. And it blows... An even better concept than last week. Yeah, I mean, it does go for the silly, kind of overblown kind of take, which is a bit odd when you know, we're considering it start with an interesting concept with Bond being like being tortured and being captured and all this. Again, we take it for granted now. We've seen, you know, uh, Daniel Craig Bond have his like balls whipped and all the rest of it, and. It does get slightly grittier from here. Well, yeah, but I mean, this this was, this was groundbreaking at the time. I mean, if you followed through the series with us, or you know your Bond films, you, you've had nothing like this. You last week he carried an injury for the first time, fell in love for probably only the second time in the series to this point, and this week he's captured and tortured. And this is what makes me look back on the Brosnan era and just thinking, what were you doing? Because you you had some good ideas and fucking threw them away. Goldeneye. It's really hit a double O six mentor figure betraying you and making you feel you'd caused it and everything else, and they they kind of blew that not as badly as this. And you just think, well, tomorrow never dies was the only one of his four that didn't really have that promise. That that, that kind of stayed at the same level. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a real shame and. You know, I've been overly harsh for comedic effect tonight more than anything else. I mean, I, I, I'd still rather watch this over a handful of other Bond films, but it might actually be the worst because every decision made... It's Firstly, it's his fourth film, um, and by extension, it's the producer's fourth film. They ought to know what they're doing by now, and they've come out with a film that's ended up rather incompetent just from poor choices all the way through. There's not. There are very few decisions in this film where I don't think. Well, why didn't they just do that instead? 
And I think that that's what annoys me about this film. It need never have been this bad. Whereas I kind of look at Diamonds Are Forever and think, yeah, everyone's tired, no one's bothered anymore. It was always going to be shit. This needn't have been shit. Yeah. It's a shame. Uh, you know, as you say, it's just, we've got, we got what we got. It was the wrong choice of director. Who'd, who'd have thought at this point that, that, the director of on the, his resume to this point, yeah, yeah it'll be you, all right. You, you, you wouldn't guess that he would turn out something that would be this. Two weeks ago, we had the director of Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, and it wasn't anywhere near as bad as this. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> so you never quite know what you're going to get. Yeah, I would have expected, and I think we'll have some nice things to say about Quantum of Solace, but I would have expected a better Bond film from Mark Forster. So you never quite know what you get. Yeah, gonna... but I, I, again, to be fair to any filmmakers, really, any directors, it's like you know, many elements come in making a film, and it's not always necessarily on like your fault, so to speak, or you do the best of what you're given. Like, like maybe the, there are other elements that force certain directions. I don't know. Yeah, but I, but, but I mean, when we were sat having this conversation about Michael App did. I kind of bought into all that, that like, okay, was that producer, was that a rush, was that script? Here, the film is so aggressively in a certain style that I can't see it as anything other than direction. Maybe it was just like, actually, like, the first attempt at doing like a big, massive franchise action film. And he, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it could he, well he be. Just kind of like, I don't know, we'll try this, and it just didn't work. Yeah. I don't know. But, but you know, all joking aside, I've, I've you know, had a lot of ranting for, for effect tonight. I mean, it is the way I feel as I'm talking about it now. The fact is, um, they all went on to do better, if not great. But I just think this was a sad way for Brosnan to go out from a series he'd been desperate to be part of and had waited for years. And, and when he, he got there, most of his films have been a disappointment, which is a real shame. Yeah, but I think for a lot of people, he's still considered one of the. I I I know like some people who do consider like Bosn to be hit their favorite Bond. So do I. And I completely understand why. I completely get why they see Bosn as a good Bond, and I I kind of agree with them. You know, it 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 all depends on taste, but um, you know it. I've always said this: Bosn's not a shit Bond. He's just let down by the films he was in. It's not I like, would agree. Yeah. Would agree. Um, so, are we are we done talking about this film in terms of like, like in terms of order, like what actually happens? Or, yeah, I think, I think yeah. it might be. You know, mm. I mean, like, I mean, we we, we, are, we are just skipping the fact that uh, you know Gustav Graves suddenly becomes Iron Man. Um, <laughs> We've got through the Ice Palace and the fight and all that, and, and frankly, who cares? Um, and then they're going to basically destroy the demilitarized zone which is all riddled with mines which was set up at the start of the film by putting Icarus through it and which he's going to sort of run from a plane but Bond and Jinx have got onto that plane and they're trying to stop him and again the the, the plane is incredibly shit CG the dialogue's terrible and you've got Gustav Graves sort of dressed as Robocop with this horrible um, 
purple lightning coming <laughs> out of him. Um, Flash forward to the, to the Star Wars prequels. We get a little bit of that it, later on. It does look a bit Star Wars prequels. If you go and watch, say, episode three, uh, the Don't first half. Don't forget Boston's face when he's getting electrocuted. Uh, yeah, yeah. the too. first half an hour of the film with uh, General Grievous, episode three. It's the same Some of the sort of lightning effects in that are very like this. And, um, yeah, you get a lot of pain face from Brosnan. You get a lot of incompetent acting from Halle Berry. I think it's like pain faces as he did last week, though. No, but he still looks like he's being strangled. It's like... <laughs> uh, you do look different depending on what's being done to you when yeah, you're playing, surely. But it's just a, it's a sequence too far. Um, nobody really, get, nobody in the West, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that part of the world isn't important. But to the average Western viewer, no one gives a shit what happens between North Korea and South Korea. So it's not that emotive a story to the af- average viewer. I think so, to uh, me, on paper, that actually sounds like, you know, you cut back to where we start off with, it's, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to go to, you know, for me anyway. If done right, and I'm going to say it again, like I said it last week, what if it was Martin Campbell doing this? Like, seriously, like... It'd be so much better. Martin Cam- I think we all know that. Martin Campbell would have just kept it a lot more... For, I mean, Green, Green Lantern simple. was terrible, so you don't know. But on the evidence of his two Bond films, he would have kept it a lot more old school. Yeah. He likes the classic feel of Bond film. Whereas Lee Tamahori was trying to push it further and further in, like, a new effects heavy cgi direction mm. i ain't got a problem with cgi it's just shit cgi it looks terrible it just doesn't come believable at all that's that's my yeah. main problem you know but you know but i kind of learned to just embrace it and just kind of be like yeah i just enjoy it for the, the kind of shittiness I, I i like the bits i like and i just kind of like laugh off the the stuff that's shit you know yeah so agreed yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, to be fair to him, it does. The film does flow more than anything. Yeah, it flows as a story. I mean, we can sit there and say that bit doesn't make sense and that yeah. bit isn't right. But I mean, like I say, I sat watching Octopussy, which is a much better film, and Diamonds, which totally isn't, and to a degree, The Man with the Golden Gun, and well, quite a lot of Roger Moore, to be honest with you. And I, I was miserable. I was bored. It felt much longer than it was. The action was really shit. Hardly anything was happening and I didn't care. Um, And with Diamonds, you had a leading man who really didn't want to be there. You had a production that looked cheap. Well, I think they've spent their money on all the wrong stuff here, but it doesn't look cheap per se. Mm -hmm. Um, So in some respects, I think this is a far worse film because at no point does it look properly made. It kind of just looks like, well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? All the way through. But I would watch this a dozen times in a row over Diamonds Are Forever. For everything I've yeah. said tonight, flow's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd thing to say, isn't it? It's an odd thing to say, and it's one I feel bad to say, because uh, just to date the episode, we lost Guy Hamilton this week. No, it's yeah. very sad. Um, and I feel shame. bad saying it, so let, let's be positive. The guy did Goldfinger and Living Let Die, so he's yeah. he's he's written himself into Bond history. He's two he's for a, two. He's two. For, he's yeah. He's yeah. Two for two against. He's a lovely guy though, definitely. So it's, it's really sad. I mean, he was like ninety three or something. So lived to a good age. Yeah, it's, it's really sad to, to lose him. So. But we, you know, I start looking back on that era now, and you've got 
Guy Hamilton's gone. Terence Young's gone. Uh, Joseph Wiseman's gone. Uh, Gert Frober. Uh, who else? There's quite a few actually, as we think through I, it. I think. Yeah, just... I... I've, yeah. I'm, I'm oh, Ken it. Adam, obviously. Mm. Um, John Barry. Adam was another recent one. John Barry, unfortunately. I think I think Sean's going to go soon. Sean, well, you never know, but he looks frail. There's no doubt. There's no doubt he looks frail. But yeah, um, well, we, we the, the way 2016 recently. is going, don't you know? Well, I mean, we've got two living bonds. One turns 89, and one turns 86 this year. I mean, at some point we are going to lose a Bond actor. Of yeah, but it's, that's just the way it goes. But it's just like, you know, the way this year's going, I don't want to wish it upon anybody. No, absolutely not. But yeah, as you go back, Lottie Lenya's died, uh, you know, quite a long time ago now, 35 years ago, but she's gone. And as, as you know, more and more of these people are going, um, the series is, is is old. You know, it's been around a long time. Charles Gray's dead. Donald Pleasant's Telly Savalas. Yeah, all very. Desmond Lebone. Desmond Lebone, of course. I almost forget that because he went through to so much later. Thinking about the early Bond films, Um, all uh, the first two M's: Bernard Lee, Robert. uh, What's he called? Robert Brown. Both gone. Oh, he died as well. I didn't know. Robert Brown's been dead quite a while. Um, So yeah, it's all very sad. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm sat here bashing diamonds. I, I do want to just reiterate that, yes, I'm aware that by the time you listen to this, we lost Guy Hamilton within the last 10 days or so. And he definitely wrote his name in history of this series oh, for some very positive reasons. Definitely. Well, he's, he's, by, he's by no means, you know, he's, he's not the worst thing to happen to the series. So He will. He will. And a lot of people love Living Let Die, and I like Living Let Die too. Yeah, he so, made re- you know, really fun Bond I think it was when, when he was poor, he was kind of sloppy, and when he was good, he was outstanding. It kind so, of frustrates you even more, doesn't it, really? It does, really, because the man with the golden gun should have been really good. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, what we've got tonight is kind of... It's not boring. I think I'd say that for it. But it's a bit like, and I said this earlier in the series, it's a bit like comparing Batman Forever to Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is the worst film, but I'd still watch it first because it's a bit more entertaining. Batman Forever is just crap. Well, this is probably the worst film we've reviewed so far. It's not the dullest. It's not the hardest to watch, though. But you've watched it over Octopussy. It's not going to finish bottom. It isn't. I can tell you now it's not going to finish bottom, but it's not going to be that far away. My ranking changes all the time, but I mean, for me, whilst this is the bottom of of the uh, the Brosnan pile, Mm. I don't think it would be near the bottom of my overall ranking, but not certainly not like, I don't know, how many have I been? Like 24, 25? Well, we've (laughs) well over It's not the bottom, so. Yeah, absolutely. I've got got some fun facts, though. Oh, this is going to be so much fun, Chris. <laughs> Can't wait. I've got some more fun oh, facts. Oh, God, hang on a minute. My hand is already straying sad. <laughs> Let me just put that right. Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. What was it? I thought, we're coming to the end of this now, so let's have some fun facts, shall we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's fun, folks! That's Chris fun, says. folks. <laughs> they're facts and they're fun, so here we go. Um... <laughs> Well, it's, it's going to be four this week instead of the usual five. So, oh, <laughs> shit. I, I, feel so, I feel oh. really short-changed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, well, we all kind of like, like supper from back with uh, Michelle Yeoh is going to be in it. 
Yeah, I'm a bit. Oh. Each fact now has to be one fifth better, one quarter <laughs> better than it would have been. Oh dear. Um, yeah, so Madonna, her theme and both a nomination for the Golden Globe and a Golden Raspberry. That's a fact. Is that a fact? That's a fact. Uh, that's, a catchphrase, that. that's fun, folks. <laughs> that's a fact, Jack. Take that to the bank. Um, yeah, so Toby Stevens was 33 when he took on the role as Gustav Graves, so he was the youngest Bond villain to date at the time. Um, you you, you took over him, then? I don't know. Another young person. Okay. Well, but it, it is quite young, so generally you've got Brosnan being nearly 50, running around, doing, and then you've got all these, these young people. Um, so, you know, it makes great use of the, of the Aston Martin Vanquish as well, but it makes it, you know, the... Um, the last couple of Bond films that we've seen, he drives, you know, a, a BMW or another car that's an Aston Martin. So it marks the return of the of the of the Aston Martin to the franchise. Um, I think the four vanquishers, and they had to be kid for um, four wheel drive for that stunt scene, which is pretty cool. Um, but I think yeah, this is very telling. Roger Moore famously said he didn't like it. He didn't like the movie uh, when it came <laughs> out. Neither did Pierce Brosnan. So yeah, it's his least favourite of, of all the Bonds that he's done. So. I can't remember why Roger Moore didn't like it. Because he's <laughs> never... He's, he's poor never... script and poor CGI. He's always mm. been polite about it, all, hasn't he? He's always been... No, like... that's it. I really kind of... I think he was just kind of quite broad, you know, against all of them. But I think this one, he was citing, like, the script and, and the, the CGI, I think. So, so when Roger doesn't like it, Which is that's kind when of you're odd. in trouble. You think... Yeah, do you think this is, like... Surely this is, like, up Roger Moore's alley, really, isn't it? It's all kind of... This is not so, not so. Obscene, Chris. <laughs> So, so, Roger, if you're listening, let us know what you think. <laughs> if you're listening with the Queen, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember who else now. Art Malik. Murray Walker. Murray Walker. That's from Batman Superman. He listens as well now. Uh, and, the, and, that, and the heavyweight boxer that we've managed to tweet. And Riddick Bo. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, they're all listening together. What a group that is. <laughs> I bet they argue over the biscuits, something terrible. I bet they do. Bourbons, that's the do you expect us to <laughs> talk to. Eat bourbons while listening to us, you'll get so oh, much more Bourbons are shittest biscuit as well. Okay, much... Chris, Chris disagrees, that's not <laughs> unusual. <laughs> Chris <laughs> is more of a dammy, jammy dodger guy, I can tell Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to say crusted cream over a bourbon any day, but yeah. Okay, well, get a custard cream and paint it brown. <laughs> so <laughs> then you can have the best of both worlds and lead poisoning. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't paint it around, but cover it in chocolate. You'll be right. Becca, are there any more facts? Because we're on the verge of a party here. <laughs> but I don't feel quite ready to get up and strop my funky stuff. No, those are my four facts. I did oh, one earlier. Sure. <laughs> I guess I'm sitting at the next dance out. Uh, oh, dear. So, uh, yeah, so final thoughts, then? Have we. Uh, final <laughs> thoughts, um, crap. Okay. Uh, final thoughts, crap, but fun. Objectively, or as close as I can be to objective, the worst film in the series. Regardless of where I rank it, think of like the worst film that you've seen outside of Bond. How would you compare it to to this? No, I've seen films that are flat out incompetent. Or, do you got, you got things like things like uh, like, um, like we, the room. And... You get films. You get films where um, they're put in front of like a test screening, and suddenly like twenty five minutes is cut out of it, and it barely <laughs> makes any sense. Or the budget is slashed, or things are referred to that are actually from deleted scenes and stuff. This is actually relatively competent, but this is from a studio or a production company that only has one property, 
and they only release a film every two to three years these days at best. So when they release this, even though it's successful, the critical hit this took and the amount it ridicules them, it's, it's, it's quite a big deal when a film, this, a Bond film this bad comes out. Yeah, but it, it still made bank. Yes, that's that's the truth. That's it did. It didn't but they it rebooted did. it right afterwards. I mean, they knew this hadn't worked, and they knew there was nowhere to go after this. Which is kind of sad, really, because think yeah, Brosnan really wanted another go at it, didn't he? He needed a for your eyes only, didn't he? He did. He really did. I think he just wanted one more to go out on a good bang, <laughs> so to speak. Um... <laughs> well, well he went on. He went out on quite an uncomfortable bang, lying on those diamonds. That... <laughs> uh, do you not feel like the, the writers or whoever needed like were thinking right what we what sort of pun can we end on and just couldn't think of anything so it's something kept... about bad even when you're good and bad yeah it's just like God. it just no, felt it really sense. perfunctory because they hadn't had any chemistry and once again it's where are they what's that about F shagging alright just the Brosnan you're in a row just, just... Do, you, do you get the impression that and, and you know, Brosnan actually wanted to be more of a harder edge Bond than what he was. He talks like he wanted to be, but I've seen no evidence of. I've seen little evidence of that on screen. What What was that thing you you said you, you were talking about? How he thought he did. Yeah, I did. I did mention that in an earlier episode, didn't I? Um, it was a couple of years ago now. And he desc- he described his run as not good enough, and he said he can't watch himself as 007. Uh, he said that he couldn't. It never felt real to him. He said it was quite tame, and and he said that he said that he got caught in the, in a revolving door between sort of Sean Connery and Roger Moore. In fact, I've just found the quote. I felt I was caught in a time warp between Roger Moore and Sean Connery. It was very hard to grasp. Hard one to grasp the meaning of for me. The violence was never real. The brute force of the man was never palpable. It was quite tame, and the characterization didn't have a follow through of reality. It was surface. But then that might have had to do with my own securities in playing him as well. I have no desire to watch myself as James Bond because it was just never good enough. It's a horrible feeling. Wow. That's quite harsh criticism, really. Yeah, it wasn't just, oh, I can't watch it because I'm insecure. He's saying it wasn't good enough. I'm not happy with what I did. That's a shame, isn't it? I don't think he thinks he stamped his mark on the role because he has said other things before. It may have been anything or nothing. I think he has, to be fair. I do. I think he's, I think he, he, you could totally close your eyes and the words James Bond could summon him to your mind quite easily. Um, you, you get totally get what his bond was, and he definitely what, what had his own different take and stamp on it. it mm. It's like we said before, the, the, the films were like to the level that he might want it. Maybe he wanted a, a bit of a harder edge. Maybe like he had different ideas for what he actually wanted to do with the character. Um, but yeah, evidently, uh, but who who knows? Maybe that would have been vastly different to what we see Boston as. Absolutely. Maybe it wouldn't have worked. Maybe we would have found it dull or maybe it would have just felt like a, a, a weird Dalton copy or something. I don't know. But uh, it's really strange. We've done four films now. That's the end of Brosnan. Um, oh. it, it's going by quite quickly now because we're Sometimes. keeping the weekly schedule. 
so at one point we we were halfway through and we're we're only four films from the end of the series now um but we are going to take a break after this we finish with brosnan except that we will commentate on this film yeah next week we move on back to commentaries yeah and it's dalton baby dalton baby dalton baby yeah the license to kill commentary yes that's the one uh, I'm looking forward to that by just by watching it and not saying anything that you guys thought. Uh, <laughs> you probably won't say very much, but we'll, we'll you know, watch the hell out of it. I'll try to come up with some fun facts to keep you going throughout the film. Oh, please do. Yeah, make sure they're <laughs> really good fun, though. Yeah. I want to hear all about, you know, the party times on the set and the stuff. Party times. You know. Fun aplenty, where those facts are concerned. I just want to hear all about Robert Davy. Anyway, I've got some news to report. We received an email. So, yeah, all my, all my weeks of pleading, saying, send us an email, send us an email. Wow, after all that time, we still remember the password. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just read it out quickly and then we can go. Um, so, yeah, it's from John from Switzerland at 007files. Is that, is that your last name from Switzerland? <laughs> yeah, John no, it's from Switzerland. <laughs> this is hi, I'm one of dozens of guys doing James Bond montages and Bond related uploads on YouTube. And I thought I'd write you guys a mail after hearing Becca say, in one of the world more film episodes, please write us mails. Yeah, he's left out a word there. She, he described her as the lovely Becca. Mm. He says, your podcast is one of the three James Bond podcasts I enjoy on several occasions during the week. Mostly I listen to it on my way to work and back on when I work out, which practically every day. So, you know, he could also be a new Bond. I've always um, imagined a continental gentleman building up a sweat whilst listening to me. <laughs> John goes on to say, I now, realize, I now reach the original era review of your podcast and left out on a magic secret service on purpose. It's my all-time favourite film, not just in the series, I really mean all-time favourite ever. And I kind of want to save it for later. He says it's weird, but I perhaps you understand. Well, great work on your podcast, I enjoy it, and keep up the good work. Best regards, John from Switzerland. Well, Thanks I think, for your email, I th- John. Thank you very much, I think you've made a wise choice there, John, because we are the kings of delayed gratification. <laughs> <laughs> keep listening, John, that's what we have to say. Thank you so much. I don't want to sort of spoil, spoil the fact that we all hated it, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our, our review of Her Majesty's is a, a love letter to the series from all three of us. So you, you don't. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's still, it's still my favourite of our episodes after all this time. Possibly because it's my favourite of the film, but sometimes you struggle to. You listen back, particularly now I'm editing as well, and you, you, you kind of think, did I say everything I wanted to say about that film? Did I get across how I read, not just how I feel about it, but why? And I think that film in Diamonds, which followed it for completely different reasons. We totally we we couldn't do a better episode on either of those films. So yeah, I hope you really enjoy them. Enjoy it it's when you get. Very yin and yang. It was very much like it's great, it's great. And next week, it's shit, it's shit, it's shit. <laughs> yeah, but they are the they are the two. Well, possibly with for your eyes only, where I think we couldn't do a better episode on those films if we tried. No, so these top three episodes to listen out, folks. Yeah, definitely. Our commentary just by was quite funny because Chris lost his shit several times. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I generally had tears in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, and all you occasionally you just hear, "Oh dear." <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're laughing so hard that you actually try to try and breathe. Like, <laughs> yeah. we will return with our license to kill commentary. Dun, dun, dun. 